first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower. It was it was a crazy crazy week, full of excitement, full of drama, and uh, some massive building blocks uh, there to be uh, utilized by both promotions. I feel after that week, and um, we'll talk about that more and more later. But um, I did manage to keep track of some news while I was over there, so let's do some quick headlines before we move on. This is number one bullshit. UFC have announced the London date on March 21st, a huge date, of course, with so many UK talents just thriving at the moment. It feels like this could be one of the biggest cards in a long time. Uh, we have Nathaniel Wood on to speak about that later, who graciously met me the other morning, uh, Sunday morning, to chat about this. So uh, we'll talk about that now a little bit later on, but a really, really, really big card. Potentially one of the biggest London cards UFC ever have put on if they play their cards right also announced Valentina Shevchenko will face Caitlin Chukagin at UFC 247 in February Ilya Latifi will also move up to heavyweight and face Derek Lewis on that card uh, in Texas of course Brett Johns has been announced for a bout against Tony Gravely at UFC Rally. Uh, Bellator Dublin will also go down on Feb 22nd. Uh, we had the James Gallagher and Cal Eleanor announcement there. A lot of people reacting very positively to that. Uh, both men joined us in London last week. Great to see both of them, two lovely lads. Um, also, a number of fights been announced for that by one and only Jake Smith a fantastic young journalist from Newcastle. He has announced Philip Mulpeter against Daniel Crawford. Very, very big fight, that. Carl Moore against Aronis Andrejkovicus. There you are. Uh, Ryan Roddy v. Chris Duncan as well. Added to that. That's a really good fight there. Um, so really good stuff there from Jake. Fair play to me. Confirmed them, I believe it was, uh, Friday morning on the Bellator weigh-ins, and he let me know about that, so I really appreciate it. Also announced on Friday morning... It was Cage Warriors with uh, seven new dates, um, including that first ever trip to Manchester, which is huge for um, Cartwright, of course, who's just won that uh, bantamweight title. Uh, Jack is a, a fearsome-looking dude, man. I can't wait to speak to him out of that fight. He looks like a bad motherfucker, have you said, as, as me and Noel have said before. So that should be a really interesting one. But just let's have a look at these dates. What we know so far for Cage Warriors in 2020, these 10 events. Of course, they are planning 15, but these are the 10 they have locked in so far. Uh, 
March 7th is going to be in Manny, Manchester. Uh, March 20th in London. April 18th in Birmingham. May May 16th in Belfast. June 13th in Cardiff. June 20th in London. June 25th in Cork. September 26th in Belfast. October 10th in Birmingham. And November 27th in London. So a very packed schedule for Cage Warriors next year it would seem that's all the news i got probably a lot of stuff happened but i was uh, very busy very 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 busy all week last week crazy amount of hours in but uh my god what a good time <coughs> i set it off on um was it yeah it was wednesday morning and when i get there i get to london i land in london city airport for the first time i've never flown in there I get pulled out of the line, like, immediately there's police waiting for me, it feels like, as I walk through the door um, into the airport. So I get taken out, they ask me my business there, um, I tell them I'm here to cover events. Uh, next of all, they're pointing at my bag um, on the carousel. They seem to already know it's mine, maybe that was just a happy coincidence or whatever, and like, that's your bag there, yeah? So uh, pants and everything strewn all over the place, and then I was allowed to go on my way, but uh, quite an introduction to the soil. Um, then of course I had to negotiate the underground and anyone who knows me um, you know when I'm unsure of things I'm never afraid to ask people I, I hear that's a quality but not in London no way so I'm standing there like a gobshite does this go to wherever I'm going does this go to Canning Town say for instance and people are looking at me like what the hell's wrong with you they're just pointing at the sign with all the, the stations on it I'm trying to clarify with a person's mind here don't be pointing at a fucking sign okay England but, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that. But I kind of found it funny towards the uh, end of my stay because basically all the UK media guys are telling me, yeah, that's just London. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> they don't really have conversations that much. That's probably why they're looking at you like you have 50 heads. And, of course, they know how to negotiate the underground. But it's a fantastic thing. I actually love going on it. It's just I'm really stupid and I get lost too much. Um, You know, so just to give you guys an idea of what was going down, uh, Bellator was stationed kind of in Wembley and Cage Warriors was all the way over the other side of town um, in Greenwich. So my, my, on Wednesday, the first thing I did when I got in, I dropped off my bags and I made the trek during rush hour <laughs> to Greenwich to to interview some Cage Warriors fighters, which was set up for me by the lovely Matt Jones. Uh, fair play to him. I was to interview Paddy Pimblett, uh, Joe Gianetti, James Webb and Mads Brunel. Three out of four came through um, with Gianetti not being available. Um, he was available later on, but uh, I had already packed up my stuff and everything. And I did see him heading for the gym, but kind of makes sense now in hindsight, knowing that he pulled out a paddy fight due to his weight issues. But uh, straight away, you know, it t- took me like 90 minutes to get there, so it was late, but uh, Paddy was great, they all waited, they all spoke to me, and, you know, just straight away I got that feeling that Paddy is, is back, like the guy who set all those social media for th- threads on fire at the height of his power is back, he, he seemed really fit, he didn't seem to be struggling with the weight whatsoever, he looked in ridiculous shape, and he was as usual with himself, so I, I, I really left that there after speaking to Paddy, James, and Mads, I was buzzing, speaking to Ian, I saw Dolly Clue, um, I saw Harry, and I saw Matt as well, so you know, I was, I was getting excited, but I felt like every day my excitement just for the whole weekend kept on building, because on Thursday morning we had uh, you know the media day, which was very good, you know, all, all the fighters were available, MVP was a bit late. Um, everything was going very well, all all very good interviews done by the fighters, and then we're setting up our cameras to uh, do the, the face-offs as they usually do, so we're, we're kind of standing there getting ready, and then bang, 
There's a big commotion off to the left. I pull around the corner. MVP has James up against a wall with, with several other people, uh, Bellator people. And over the other side of the room, Mike Kimball's being held back by, uh, I believe it was Dan Kitch. Uh, sorry, Ryan Grab, and uh, and a, maybe Mike Shipman as well. And there's a lot of commotion going now. Um, after the fact, when we've speaking to people, spoken to a few people involved, uh, everybody says, from all accounts, everyone says Gallagher walks into the room, sees Mike Kimball, and Kimball's with the London Shoot guys, you have to remember. So this is like five or six London Shoot guys in this small room. Gallagher walks in, walks directly up to him and smacks him. Then the commo- then then you can see a video angle. I don't know, I can't remember who actually had this. It might be Simon Head at MMA Junkie. I didn't get this angle. No, it was Mike Morgan at uh, WoW TV, he gets the angle of MVP pushing uh, James away from the situation and then James kind of body locking him and spin him up against a wall and, you know, these are two guys that I've heard say nothing but good things about each other over the years. So that was was interesting. Like, the, from what my angle, I was kind of looking at it like, oh, this is just two mates, MVP settling them down. But, um, you know, based on what Shipman said after Bellator, it seems like there was a little something to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Gallagher just walked straight in, smacks Kimball, and, and then he tells us later it's because of this comment Kimball had made about his mother, and we know James and his family, how tight they are, and, um, you know, as far as Gallagher is concerned, Kimball had put up a picture of James and James's mother, Doreen, and, and James's arm around her, and it says something like, you know, he should have swallowed that, or something like that, it was pretty vulgar anyway. So that's what James dealt with. He just went in and smacked him. Um, I feel like it was, like, I mean, the reaction to it, I feel like, is one of the most favorable reactions James ever got, you know? And look at the numbers on that video. It's crazy, you know? He got more numbers than anyone at that media day, including MVP, which is insane. Like, just speaks to the, the star power he has. And we'll speak more about this at the end of the show. But um, that was very interesting to me, um, that whole situation. Um. But uh, later that day, the Cage Warriors weigh-ins go down. And um, of course, you've heard now Joe Giannetti misses weight. What a scene. you got to go on the Paddy's uh, Instagram or his Twitter pages and, and watch that interaction he, between Giannetti and him. Uh, and then, of course, Giannetti's coach and Ventre and, and Paddy. Unbelievable. Some of the funniest things we've ever seen. Obviously, it's a terrible situation. We, my heart broke for Paddy, but... I think anyone involved in MMA can understand why he didn't take that fight in that situation. So much riding on these things for Paddy, his comeback fight, I fully understand it. I think it's poor form on Giannetti coming in saying make the weight and then not informing anyone before he gets on those scales. They possibly could have worked on something. And and, and look, um, I'm happy to see Paddy taking that advice that, uh, you know, whether it was Ventre or it was Paul Rimmer or whoever it was from next generation who suggested it like the old paddy just used to do this stuff and he do like anything he just go with the drop of a hat but it always didn't work out for him a lot of times like a lot of times he's even injured taking those fights so i was happy to see him kind of saying no this isn't uh what i wanted i've already you know i've already taken i've already kind of changed my position already because i'm taking on a new opponent at a week's notice but now he's this much bigger than me and, and you gotta remember paddy paddy's not been a lightweight for that long so i, I fully agree with what he did there and uh, the hilarity that ensued afterwards. And, you know, I've seen Paddy on weight cut days. It's it's atrocious. I've seen Chris Fields making middleweight back in the day. That was atrocious. Conor McGregor making featherweight back in the day. These people aren't usually able to speak after that. You know? Giannetti was very vocal. And he seemed quite quite energized compared to some other people you see who have struggled. So you you got you to gotta understand Paddy's position there. 
Um, I know people don't like him. I know they're going to go, oh, fuck you, buddy, after everything he does. But I don't think you can argue with that. He's already tried to make the fight happen after losing his opponent. Um, at that stage, it's just one too many moves to the goalpost. Um, what a face-off as well between Natalia Frederick and James Webb that day. Even though Frederick later says, you know, there's no animosity between us. I just felt like I needed to sell my, myself. I needed to push the fight out there, and it did. I mean, that was an intense. That was an intense face-off, man. Um, of course, then it, the kind of last thing that happens is on Friday morning. There's a bit. There's another scuffle. Fabian Edwards and Mike Shipman. You know, they're facing off, and poor Dave Green's in the middle there. <laughs> but uh, Fabian seems to throw a kind of a hammer fist, a standing hammer fist, and everything busts open. Oh my God! Aiden Lee is on the set. Michael Venom Page is on the set. He's pushing K, Fabian's manager. They have a they have a bit of a back and forth, but um, you know all these storylines developing, and it's kind of there's a big link there between Paradigm Fight Management and all of this because Paradigm manage MVP, Paradigm manage Fabian Edwards' brother Leon Edwards, and, and Paradigm also manage Mike Kimball and James Gallagher. So it's interesting you hear some of the guys saying they won't talk about it. Like I asked Michael Venom Page about the James situation, wouldn't talk about it. I asked um, Fabian about the MVP situation at the weigh-ins and he wouldn't talk about it. It's just interesting to see all this stuff going down. And look, it might not be anything to do with that paradigm link, but that seems to me the only thing it can be, you know. But um, really, really incredible. Incredible kind of build-up to the week and the energy of the week was insane. It was just... Well, maybe it's because I didn't get two seconds off. I was literally just running around all day. I'd get back to my room, upload videos, fall asleep doing that, set an alarm, wake up then, and go again. It was fucking wild. It was really, 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 really busy, man. But it was good busy because everything seemed to be happening. Like, I mean, this is a great moment for the sport in the UK and Ireland. Um, sometimes I don't... I don't acknowledge it enough because we're too busy trying to explain what are Bellator doing, what are Cage Warriors doing. What they're doing is good, I'd say, both of them at the moment. But um, look, we'll talk more about both Bellator and Cage Warriors later on. But first up, you know, it, it's the it's a son of London himself and a man who was immediately at the tip of everyone's tongue as soon as that London fight was announced. It's Mr. Nathaniel Wood who hasn't fought since the last London event in March. Uh, we spoke all about that. Uh, I met Nathaniel on Sunday morning after all the festivities had gone down. He was kind enough to meet me um, in Wembley. He's obviously not from that region, but he was coming out there anyway, and, and, he, might, and, and he sat down with me, and I really I really couldn't be more grateful there. Uh, what a fantastic guy he is. And um, I really hope um, he gets that Marilyn Vera fight in London. For my money... And for diehard fans, I'd say they'd be looking forward to him and Vera as much as they'd be looking forward to an Edwards and 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 Woodley, honestly, and or a or a or a Till v. Whittaker. It's just another big U.S. name, and I know Marlon Vera isn't from the U.S. Before someone jumps down my throat, but it's another big name from that neck of the woods coming over here, and I think that would be absolutely huge. So we're going to speak to Nathaniel now. Uh, very grateful for his time, and we'll be back to uh, chat more about. Cage Warriors and Bellator uh, before uh, the end of the show. So thank you so much, Nathaniel. What a gentleman. All the best. We couldn't have done a podcast in London without speaking to uh, Nathaniel Wood, a man who everyone is dying to see back in action. It's three wins, three stoppage wins in the UFC so far for the former Cage Warriors bantamweight title. The UFC have just announced a card in London. 
And one of the names everybody is saying immediately is Nathaniel Wood. There has been a back and forth with a long-time rival in Marlon Vera. It seems everything's shaping up pretty nicely for you here, Nathaniel. It's definitely getting there, you know. Um, it's all fun and games, and, you know, I've obviously been off for quite a long time now, so it's nice to see that people are still, um, you know, excited to see me back in there. Obviously, fighting in London's my... Well, it was my dream. I've done it. You know, I got the win. Um, but it always is, you know. If I could fight anywhere, it's always my hometown. You know, it's great to travel the world. But, you know, I've done that on my travels like after my fight. You know, I went travelling. So for me, if I can fight in my hometown again, you know, that's, that's a dream come true. And, and again, you know, I get to repeat it twice. I know how active a guy like you wants to stay. But, I mean, it can't be the worst thing in the world for a guy like you who is so active to take that year off I mean do you feel like after that year off your body's been able to recover you've been able to get back to your best because you are redlining yourself there for a while mate just fight 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 definitely you know after since when was it 2016 or 17 obviously I was on cage warriors had title fight after title fight and was literally on a tear you know I've my last eight fights all been finishes um, and I definitely felt like I needed a break you know going into that London fight I did feel uh, I wouldn't say physically drained I was feeling a bit mentally drained you know I wasn't enjoying training as much them sort of things yeah just camp to camp obviously I fought Andre you'll miss Christmas you know I was in Vegas um, fighting over Christmas and I was FaceTiming my family and if I'm honest it broke my heart you know I, I am such a Christmas person I love everything about it and you know that's why I was asking for that career card because I wanted to fight before Christmas so I could have Christmas off I don't think that's happening you know it's in four weeks so you know I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go I stayed I kept my weight low so that if someone pulled out yeah because that's I just want to want to fight before Christmas and then get fat for Christmas you know um but yes, yeah, so after, after that March fight, you know, I went travelling with my girlfriend. I got, obviously, getting paid better money now. So I thought, obviously, it's nice to treat her. I want to go and I want to see the world. You know, you've got to have a life as well outside of um, MMA. So, you know, I went travelling with her. We've done Asia. I went to Australia. Um, came back, getting ready for a fight. Felt great. Broke my arm. You know, completely dislocated it. Torn the ligaments. Like, messed it up completely. Um, so that put me out again. So now, you know, I'm just itching to get back in there. You know, I've been staying ready. The sight of chocolate and cakes, I've had enough of it. You know, I don't want any of it. I just want to get in there, do what I do best. And, you know, if I can do that in London, amazing. We actually spoke to you just before you went off on that holiday. I remember the week you were going, you, you did it early for us just so we get it on the show. And I tasked you with, I was like, can you try and lose your abs? Eat so much that you've lost your abs. Did that actually happen? Because I saw a few pictures of you when you were away and you were still in pretty good nick. <laughs> It definitely happened, mate. I can assure you of that. Even my missus was like, man, you've got fat. It's been two weeks and, you know, the abs disappeared. Um, and it actually started to get to me. You know, I was on the holiday just running up and down the beach and people were looking at me like I was a madman. But, yeah, I was, you know, I'd never been, I've never not had abs. So to not have them, you know, it was gutting. So any pictures I was uploading, they were definitely photoshopped or, or you know, catfished. Take it from me. It's not so bad after a while, you know, <laughs> having no abs. But, um yeah, I mean, you were speaking about your arm there. Everything, everything back to uh, 100% now as far as you're concerned? Yeah, it's, there was doctors saying about operating and them sort of things. But as far as I'm concerned, they didn't really give me a reason to why I need to operate. It's been getting a lot better. I've got full range in it now. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Every now and then it does ache. You know, there are times I'm like, mm, you know, maybe I went a little bit hard today. Just ease back a bit. But I'm ready to go. It's not uh, stopping me from doing anything. Um, it's just something that I just have to take care of, you know, and not go crazy when I'm training sort of thing but you know definitely I'm ready to fight now I just get the weight down as I say I've been 
keeping my weight as low as I can without killing myself just to stay ready. And, you know, as soon as they call me up and say there's a fight, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, as soon as this is announced, you start looking at the cast of UK fighters that are available for this. And, you you know, I think, uh, you know, you were one of the prominent names. Molly has picked up a lot of name, uh, momentum. She's a prominent name. Darren Till, Whittaker, um, Leon Edwards. Um, could this be one of the best cards the UFC has ever had in London? With the greatest respect... Uh, to the previous generations I always felt as though it was just Brad out there by himself or Bisping out there by himself with a few guys underneath him whereas Arnie everybody seems to be you know they seem to be eyeing big big fights here for this card and it's all UK people right? Definitely I think the UK guys you know, at the moment we're on a tear you know you've got Arnold Allen I believe is 5-0 and in the UFC obviously Darren Till just beating um, Kelvin you know so there's a lot of momentum behind us, you know. We got, as you say, Molly. We got, um, we got Darren Stewart. We got Leon Edwards. You know, because you feel like you're leaving people out because there's so many people, right? Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm going to forget someone, but there's so many people now. And the be- the thing is now as well with a lot of the UFC fights that used to come to England, I feel like it was, you know, we didn't do as well. You know, people would come over and kind of smash up the English guys, that sort of thing. And now it's not, you know, I feel like people coming over now, I feel like people are actually going to be scared to come over and fight us, you know. I don't think they're going to want to, you know, with that crowd we got behind us as well. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, I definitely know that the rest of the UK guys are going to want to get on that card as well as me. Like, could this be, like, and I mean, I'm speaking out a turn to a certain extent because uh, I haven't been basing this scene my whole life, but could this be gearing up to be a golden era of UK MMA with, with so many guys in prominent places and, and so many like big big fights on the horizon potentially could this could this be a, an era we look back on for years and years and say remember when all these guys Nathaniel Wood Leon Edwards Darren Till I definitely think so um, obviously I'm going to be biased regardless <laughs> but you know I, I 100% I think so and you know I've trained in a lot of places I've trained abroad you know I've trained out in the states and you know the team we've got now I can assure you we're not uh, we're not slacking on anything. You know the guys we've got come up and coming now in our team, mate. They make me feel old. You know it's scary to think how good they'll be in a couple more years. The Marlon Vera fight is is one that everybody wants to see. And honestly, like when I think of like the diehard MMA uh, fan base, they'll want this just as much as a Edwards v Woodley or, or a Till v v Whitaker because this one's been building for a long time and. We were eating out of the palm of your hands when, um, you know, you were making those early appearances when you just signed. You were like, I'm going through Brad's list, the list of guys that uh, Brad has scores to settle with. And it was just an amazing, um, it was an amazing plot, basically, to launch your um, UFC tenure. But it feels as though Marlon is online. He's kind of reacting positively to this. Um, do you have your doubts that this could happen or, or are you going full steam ahead? You think this one's going to happen this time? I'd like to think it's going to happen. Um but, you know, I don't think that he wants to fight. He's saying, um, you know, he said, oh, I've got the pen ready and all that. But he said that about a year and a half ago and, you know, nothing, nothing's happened from it. Um, you know, he said to me once on Twitter about fighting me. I said a date and he said, no, you know, you do nothing for me, that, that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, mate, whatever, you know what I mean? And then he fought the guy that I've just beat, you know, the guy that I beat last year. He's only just gone and fought him. So... That just leaves me in confusion, you know. I'm like, what? Well, do you want to step up or not? If he was stepping up and fighting the top ten, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. You know, everyone's gonna do take the fights that are gonna get him get him up there. But he hasn't. So, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, the guy he's just beat, I beat him last year, um, and I thought that in the first round he definitely was losing it. You know, he didn't look like it was an easy win kind of thing. Um, 
So yeah, you know, 100%. That's a fight I'd like to have. It's good fun as well, you know. It's this oh, little yeah. the story behind it. You know, he's beat my coach. It's, it's it just point, yeah, mate. It just it's, it makes for an exciting <laughs> fight. And for me, you know, at the end of the day, I fight whoever the UFC gives me. But that would get make me get out of bed a little bit more in the morning. You know, it, it, it has a little bit more something to it. And you know, I'm all I'm all for that. And I think it makes for an exciting fight for the crowd. Brad obviously thinks this is a great matchup as well because he he's putting in a special effort to make this happen as well. What is it about Maryland that you guys see? Like obviously from a from an untrained eye for myself, like I'm looking at it and going like this these are two guys that really like to exchange. You tend to do very well against guys who likes to like to exchange with you. Is is that what, what, what the allure is or can you speak a bit more in depth on this? I'm sure you can. Definitely, you know, he's he's a fighter that comes to fight. That's what I like, you know. Um He's, from, from watching his fast fighting style, you know, he's not scared to come in and have a fight. You know, he'll come in enemy territory. You know, that's what he did with Brad, obviously, for the first one. Um, stylistically, the way I look at him is I beat him in all areas, but, you know, he'll probably say different. Um, but there's only one way to find out, and that's what I'm down to do. You know, I'm up for the fight. Let's, let's put it on there. And, you know, we had a bit of back and forth on Twitter. Um, he said he, he obviously was getting... You know, he was getting fired up and it was like, mate, I was just having a bit of banter laughing and you could tell that he was getting angry about it. So This happens a lot with UK and American fighters, I feel like. Sometimes uh, I, I kind of know when you guys are having a bit of fun and then the other person flares up, they don't get the banter sometimes, yeah, right? I don't think they get the banter. Um, and then he ended up saying something like about, he's going to put my, his balls in my mouth or something? Like something that I was like, mate, yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit weird, that one. So after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to stop with this little back and forth. It's getting a bit weird. Um... Do you think he could have fought you if he wanted to at this stage already because you have kind of made such a, a big deal about wanting that fight? Yeah, 100%. You know, there's, I've, I've been there saying, I think I said to him, all right, let's fight in, uh, I can't remember what date I said, I think I said I'll fight in August. He said, no, that's too long for me, I'm fighting in July. And it's like, what, a month? A month's difference. Mate, if you want the fight, you'd wait a month, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, he's the only guy that I've ever had a bit of back and forth with on Twitter, so it makes for a fun fight. And if he doesn't want to fight... You know, me versus Cody, I'd love to have that fight. That uh, that excites me. Um, well, he's obviously ranked a lot higher than me at the moment, so if you... But then, to me, he's had a free loss streak. He's on a free loss streak. I'm on a free win streak, you know? So, to me, for the UFC, it's a win-win. If he beats me, cool, he's back in the win column. If he doesn't beat me, as far as I'm concerned, the UFC have got a new title contender. Uh, and he's stealing all the momentum you've gained. As we said, people are still talking about you. You haven't fought since March, and people are like, when's that Daniel Ward coming back? So he's stealing a lot of momentum from this prospect, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, as I say, it's up to the USC what they want to do, but I don't really see... They can match him with a top-ten guy, but I don't really see much reason in them doing that. You know, I'd say give it to someone like myself. For him, you know, it should be a warm-up fight. I'm ranked, I don't know, 17th. I'm not ranked, whatever. If I beat him, you know, it skyrockets me up there. And I'm all for fights with... Higher reward, you know. The better the fighter, the high, it's a higher risk, but it's a higher reward. And, you know, unlike Chito Vera, I don't want to just be sitting around fighting this guy after that guy and not really getting noticed, you know. I want the big names. I want to chase for gold and, you know, live the dream. Well, I feel like it's a mutually beneficial fight for both of you guys, so I really feel it happened. I have two more questions, I promise you. I'm keeping you here on a Sunday morning, and thank you so much for uh, meeting me. But um, just just wondering about the, the banner uh, Brad was carrying this weekend. Is it British top team now instead of Team Titan, or is it kind of a joint situation like that, an affiliation, but still Team Titan? No, so basically it's uh, it was almost a team within a team. You know, Team Titan was the hub, and that's where myself, Brad, and the team used to train. But Brad is now branching out to open his own team, 
you know, there was a little bit of politics going on with the gyms and stuff. So at the moment, we're uh, in a way gymless. You know, we don't actually have a gym. So we're having to use gyms of, that we're good friends with and our team trains within that gym. So there's about 15 of us, you know, we're all the small guys of the gym, uh, small guys, sorry, of the gym at Team Titan. Um, it's all the same team, you know, the same coaches, the same training partners, but we're having to just basically gym hop. But, you know, soon we will have a hub open and believe me, it's worth the wait. You know, we've, we've been looking at gyms, myself, Brad, and we have a, the Martin Barrett, who's the investor. Um, we've been looking at gyms and Brad's like nope too small too small so you know when it opens up it's going to be a state of the art gym and you know I can't wait forward I can't wait for it Oh we've absolutely no doubt you guys have been phenomenal um, phenomenal phenomenal gym and Brad's an outrageous coach so um, absolutely Uh, just one final thing Nathaniel I feel like you're synonymous with this this town um, right back from your Cage Warriors days when uh, Dolly Clue used to do those great photo shoots with you around London and I, I just felt like as soon as Cage Warriors used to say London, I was like, Daniel Wood, straight away. Like, I di- didn't bat an eyelid. And, um, you know, seeing what you've done in the UFC so far is incredible. And I feel like, you know, it, it might, it's not going to happen this time, but I feel like we're only a matter of time away from you being the headline guy in London, you being the main attraction. Is that something that you foresee in your future? Is that something that motivates you, thinking about uh, being in that spot one day? Because I, I truly believe, me and a lot of other people believe that you will be in that spot one day. 100% obviously the the plan in my head before I broke my arm was to get two fights before this London one and then potentially co-main main event it you know if I um if I take out a top 10 getting that top 10 rankings why not be the main event obviously where well, I haven't fought since March last year you know I can't imagine they're going to give me that slot I would have thought they'd give it to someone like Darren Till um but you know why not if they want to give me someone like Cody Garbrandt to me that's a main event that's a main event fight um but, you know, as I say, I'm not, I'm not bothered, you know. To me, it doesn't change my paycheck. I still get paid the same amount whether I'm the first fight or the last fight of the night. But that would definitely be a tick off the bucket list, a dream, you know, to become the main event um, and obviously get a win in London. That was, when I first started, that was my, my dream. So, but, you know, after the last one, I'll just be happy to get on that card again. You know, that crowd, it, mate, it's amazing. And if I'm honest, the weigh-ins that, on that last one, that was probably the best moment my career to date yeah the weigh-in's done it more for me than the um than after the fight I think that's because in the fight you know I'm I'm in that adrenaline rush I'm tunnel vision that kind of thing but when I went out to them weigh-ins and just saw everyone cheering you know it it put the hairs on the back of my neck up you know it was a good feeling so if I can do that again next year then you know I'm a happy man and I forgot to mention earlier, congratulations on the engagement. I was meant to say that earlier. I'm so rude. Uh, but thanks so much, Nathaniel. Absolute pleasure to speak for you. You're looking great, and I can't wait to see what you have in store for us on March, my friend. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me as always. Thank you so much, Nathaniel Wood. What a gentleman. Um, now we're going to go through, and uh, this is a Cage Warriors recap I did with the Thundercat himself, a man who knows all too well about that road from Cage Warriors to UFC, Mr. Craig White. Obviously, a uh, big night. Uh, Paddy not there being one of the key lines and the whole situation that developed between them. Uh, we also speak about the crowning of a new champion in Atoyas Frederick, who, uh, who stopped James Webb in their rematch. Also about Mads Burnell's fantastic, fantastic performance and uh, Modestus Bukaukas defending that title again. Um we also spoke about Alex Lahore's knockout at the hand as Jolton Santos, a man 
who who the Thundercat has faced in the past. So really, really good insights on that stuff. We'll be back in a little bit. Uh, this is about 20 minutes or so with the Thundercat. So uh, I'll speak to you again after that. I have been joined by a Cage Warriors legend and a UFC veteran, Craig White, to discuss what happened in Cage Warriors 111 last night. But i got to disclose straight off the bat, I came here, um, my memory card didn't work. I had to leave him here in the Hilton with all my gear and run back home. But uh, he's been very kind, as usual. Uh, a man known for being gracious, but Craig, so happy to be joined by you again, my friend. Yeah, it's good to see you too, mate. It's been far too long. It really has, yeah. I mean, it's been way too long, and um, a lot's happened since the last time we spoke to you on the show, um, but I felt with with the Cage Warriors event happening last night, I feel there's no one better to tell us uh, what, what the overall feeling coming out of that event was. Um, first of all, just with Bellator and Cage Warriors happening this weekend, I think a lot of us get distracted by the online little beefs and tiffs that go on, but... It really is a great time for the sport here, isn't it? Like it's incredible that two, two of these big shows are here in London this weekend. Yeah, I think people need to take away from kind of the childish bickering and less of that. Oh, you get paid more here, paid more there. Like, who's the better fighter? Where's the better show? And like, I mean, we're trying to develop a sport across like the nation, and you've got big shows on our doorstep. I mean, UFC come to the UK, Bellator now come to the UK, I mean, more and more as well. K-Draw is established in Europe, I mean, as well as other shows, it's just, it's a good time to be involved in the sport and there's no reason for everyone to be like, getting arsey with each other and just causing all these things. I mean, it's good to build profile on that, but why Ben Bridges? Why create all these hostilities when you don't need to, when we can all just live together happily and have some fun and, I mean, promotions could hopefully work well together one day i mean there's always going to be the rivalries and that but i mean beyond that there's no need for everyone to just basically slate a show slate a brand especially if they don't know anything about it yeah i feel like i feel like all the little animosity things i think it helps casual fans get into it They're like what's going on here what did grain boiling just say again you know what i mean like it's it's, it's kind of good in that way and i think they kind of know that too like I, I kind of get the feeling that they're they're taking it with a pinch of salt as in the promoters they know like the kind of the rising tide lifts all ships here, I think. I mean, if someone's talking about your show, they talk about your show, whether it's good <laughs> or bad. It's the same as as a fighter. Like, whether you're in the public spotlight for good reasons or bad reasons, you're still in the spotlight. People are still talking about you. You're still relevant. I mean, ideally, you want to be there for good reasons and not in the press for the bad ones. But, I mean, we're just trying to publicise a sport and build a reputation, make it credible. And although, say, the casual fan might see people slating it and getting involved, like, picking a side, like, which side of the wall do you want to be on? Like, but it used to... Yeah, it used to be, like, cage warriors and Bama, do you want to be one or the other? But, I mean, why can't you be both? Why can't you just sit on the fence, appreciate both what they are? They both have phenomenal athletes in them. I mean, obviously, there's guys that are potentially never going to fight each other, which, I mean, as a casual fan, like the hardcore fan, you'd want to match these guys against each other. You want to see how they're fair, but we're never going to get a chance to. But it's when people do that and then they go, yeah, but they're not going to fight there because that show's crap. And, but it shouldn't be that way. It should, we need to just, people just need to grow up essentially. And I mean, we're getting there. It's just a slow process and something that probably won't ever go. But I mean, maybe we'll see some cross promotions of the fights everyone wants to see. If not, just go down to a gym and just settle it that way. <laughs> yes, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, um, it was a big event last night, but I feel like this is the first time I've been on the ground for a Paddy show, a Paddy Pimlet show. And I really can't get over the amount of traction the guy produced. Like, I know, obviously, he's a huge deal. Um, you know, I, I've been praising the guy for years, how much attention he brings to the sport. But 
Um, he was really showing us after being away for 15 months, even though he didn't get the fight and there was that hilarious incident at the weigh-in. Um, but even though he didn't get the fight, he is showing us again how much attention he garners, right? Like, I mean, he, he just has something about him. He's so polarizing. People are either tuning in to, to give him shit or else they're tuning in to, to you know, celebrate him. It's, it's a really interesting dynamic he brings to the table. I mean, with Paddy, you're either team Paddy or you're not. Yeah, yeah. So you're one or the other. I mean, I've never had the pleasure of like sharing a cage show like with him sharing the show with him to see quite that dynamic he brings but i mean just looking on social media everyone going oh it's a shame paddy and i'll change room and it brought the buzz and that i mean he's just a character on himself like he has all this traction behind him because of how he is i mean whether you love him or hate him like he's great for the sport like he doesn't do any of these dickish things that other people do like he lives for the sport like he had a bit of time out he's reassessed he's grown up and i was really looking forward to seeing him fight like I've met him once properly, and that was um, at St. Joseph's Hospital last year when I was getting some MRIs done. And I had a good chat with him. Mate, I was with, fanboyed him, and was like, <laughs> he's going, Craig, Craig, can you get a photo with Paddy? And I was just like, completely rinsed him and embarrassed him. But, I mean, even then, he's there midway through getting medicals done. He'll take the time out for people. Like, I mean, he's in Wales as well, like from Liverpool. He's not exactly <laughs> close to home. But, I mean, Paddy's a lovely guy, and it's a shame that he didn't get to fight for something as silly as what happened. I mean, he's going to take a fight. You know what weight you've got to be. Don't, don't you're, you're someone who knows quite a bit about this, uh, Craig. I mean, your USC debut was an astronomical court, right? But is, that's how you feel, right? If you sign on the dotted line, you've got to make that weight. Yeah, I mean, you have two jobs, two responsibilities when you're fighting. You, well, once you've taken a fight, you make weight, you turn up and produce the fight. You can't do the second without the first. I mean, yeah, if you're slightly off and then people take the fight, they take a bit of your purse, it's a bit different. But, I mean... You're almost a whole weight class above. I know we haven't got the catch weights and stuff, but I mean, it's almost 165 pounds. Like that's what would be what the light weight division, whatever people want to introduce, and that's a big amount of weight difference. Like if we're going to boxing divisions, what that's three or four divisions higher, and I just it's unprofessional and it just it makes a mockery of the sport as well. Like I've seen Paddy say basically come over for a free holiday. Well, that's how it seems. Like it's a shame on the side of Paddy. I mean. Uh, his opponent as well I mean if he's turned up with that attitude well it's bad anyway but I mean he didn't get to fight because of it when even though she'll notice he was geared up for that um, you've got all the fans that come down to see Paddy and like everyone wants to see Paddy fight like whether it's a flying triangle flying knee his hair bobbing along he looks like Jay from the in-between it's all that stuff like everyone wants to see Paddy fight and he's all this he's got this character and it's just it lets everyone down it's cage wears down it it just kind of like like saying it just maybe puts the sport back a tiny bit because everyone just sees it as well now there's a load of bickering online and I mean it's how it goes but there's no reason not to make weight you should always make sure you do yeah and I feel like one thing I thought you was very important for on this card is like you know you have guys like uh, Webb Frederick there in the main event um, you have uh, Modestas Bacaucus all these guys on the main card and if, if Paddy's on that main card it brings so many eyes to it that they again get a chance to showcase themselves and, and put themselves on the radar but um, you know a huge performance from Natoyas Frederick there against James Webb last night um, amazing to see him come to life in the third round like that because I felt like it was going the same way uh, as the first fight I mean James was kind of holding him down um, controlling position I'd say from top and, and landing a lot more shots than he did in the first fight I felt um, but out of nowhere in the third round he just comes out he comes out like a lunatic he's landing digs all over the place I always surprised James stayed in there for as long as he did were you, were you getting the same impression? Yeah I mean the first fight was obviously a bit controversial because of the spike and yeah I mean you don't really get a chance to kind of once something like that happens in a fight it just upsets the flow like there's always a well what if that didn't happen how would this have gone and I mean 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the first thing I said now. And I mean, seeing, like, getting a chance to see them go again. I mean, it was, it was the right call to have a rematch. It was a well-deserved rematch. And it was a great fight to watch. Again, you've got two guys from two well-respected gyms. Um, again, great athletes. It's good, it's good to have these like, opportunities to see guys that aren't, say, as well-known on like, the European scene like um, Frederick was at first. Like, when he first got matched up against Webb, I hadn't really heard of him and that. But I looked, out of interest, I looked up. And you see he's accomplished a lot. And obviously, since then, he's accomplished a lot more. And, but when you're with these gyms that uh, have the experienced guys, like obviously Renegade, they've got countless UFC stars and Bellator stars. When you've got... Um, Chris Fields is like team, is it yeah. yeah you've got Team KF and you've got the likes of their coming over you've got Pendred Fields um, Tom King all of them like you've got all this experience coming in I mean people only get better with that and I mean Webb's been on the cage row scene like since I basically had my revitalised part of my career and even watching that you've seen him develop as it goes along and it's great to see and just having a fight like that like it's anyone's game anyone can come to life at any point that's what we train for but it was a phenomenal fight to watch and it's just a shame with one second to go that it got cut short but some of the things I've seen with people giving Rich Mitchell a bit of stick it's the ref- he's got to watch the fighters right he doesn't need to watch the clock well there is he hasn't got a stopwatch on his wrist he hasn't got like a massive like vision in front of him that says there's one second to go he's got an earpiece he's his key job there is fight safety and if you're not effectively defending it doesn't matter whether you've got minutes or a second to go your ref's going to stop it especially Rich like it's called no nonsense for a reason he's one of the best refs out there um, and I don't think he gets enough praise as it is and that's coming from someone who in my last fight people have said he thought he stopped it for no reason well I had an arm got caught in an arm bar thought my arm was going to break and I basically verbally tapped and like he stopped it it's right cool like never once criticised him for it and that's what people need to see it as he's a very experienced ref and it was the right call to make yeah, I agree with Jenna. And just, just to say, James, as you said, he, he's not been around for donkey's years. You know, he's done a lot in a short amount of time. And I think Graham was saying afterwards they were going to do a rematch there. I, I think, don't quote me on that. I can't, I can't actually remember. But um, in the co-main event, uh, Bukaukas, he, uh, Graham is saying straight after that fight, he's like, he's ready for the UFC. Like, he, he feels as though the brackets there at light heavyweight, there's not enough kind of talent out there to keep him fighting, to keep it interesting. Do you agree with that? Do you think when a guy reaches 10-2 and two and he's got that belt uh, with cage warriors, it's probably time? I'd say so. Again, I've seen Bukalkis, like throughout, again, the same tenure of the cage warriors, and like, he's come up, and the downside with the like, heavyweight and heavyweight bracket at that level, say in Europe, there, there aren't as many people, so it's a bit more shallow. Um, but like, when you see him against someone like Martin Hamlet of that standard, and... Uh, that wasn't the way I saw that fight going. Like I saw some of Hamlet's training videos. I mean, he's fucking throwing like these medicine balls like hundred yards, and it's like like they're nothing. And <laughs> but again, that was his biggest downfall. He tried to use his wrestling too much. But I mean, Macaulay's like he's got finishes. He's got good finishes. Like he does some moves that he's so athletic at like heavyweight that some guys could even dream of doing it that way, even lighter. Um, I'd say he's definitely at a point where if there's no other opposition for him in within Europe that like Cage can offer him, then he's ready for that next step. And Having the gold strap, um, defending it more so, is definitely cool enough to do that. I mean, everyone says it's a golden ticket to UFC. It's, it's not the only way in from Cage Warriors. Being on the promotion, getting the finishes, putting on the performances is. But if you've got that kind of on your CV as well, like on your resume, well, you're laughing because you've got that established. Like, you've defended it as well. You definitely are the champ then. It's not like you just had it once and that's it. Like, but again he's developed as a fighter of the years and it's good to see and it'd be great to see him develop further within a bigger promotion 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I feel like uh, the preparation for Hamlet really served him well because as soon as uh, Nisiglia went in for that takedown, them elbows just went bombs away, man. It was game over. But I was fucking blown away by Mads Burnell, man. Like, I mean, I always saw him as a grappler. And then he comes out bobbing and weaving the way he was. Like, he, he told me he's always been able to box like that. But I have never seen it before. So I was really, really impressed. And he's looked so good since he's come back, right? Like, I think he's got four wins with Cage Warriors now. Beating a guy like Dean Truman in his last fight. Incredible guy. Incredible fighter. Um, I mean, it's tough, right? Because Copenhagen has come and gone. And I felt if he was going to go back, he was going to get on that card. And then he said, like, you know, Soren Bacchus said he was offered a fight for that. Nicholas obviously went back. Uh, Marco Madsen got signed from Cage Warriors. And... Mads is kind of sitting there with no offer on the table. I'd say that really hurts him, but for my money, he's been nearly the most impressive guy that you know that, that on, on the roster of late. I think he, he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Mads is a weird one because didn't, was it only like one fight he lost in the UFC and he got cut, or he had the he, I don't know if he lost two, but I know he had the Arnold Allen fight, and Arnold's six and zero like in the UFC, and 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 he's pushed him. Mads probably pushed him further than anyone. He got cut straight after that fight. I just think. He probably got treated a bit harsh by the FC getting cut right off. And, I mean, he's clearly established himself as levels above the other competition in Europe. I mean, Gillot is saying, uh, like, cross-promotion stuff might be good. He could maybe hang with some of the Bellator featherweights, see how he went there. But, I mean, someone of Mads' caliber, like, UFC's where he needs to be. And getting cut as he did, like, I think he got cut short. Like, he probably had a bit more to give, especially with the Copenhagen card. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you have him on there? I mean, it's just... It just seems like an atrocity not to have him on there. Like, he's seeing him off because he's just going to keep going through these European featherweights and, like, like they're nothing. Like, and, yeah, he's a submission wizard. Like, everyone knows that. But because he's known for that, it takes from the skill set he probably has outside of that. And he's, like, a nice guy. He's chilled. He comes, again, a nice, reputable gym. And, I mean, we now get to see more of his showcase and more of his skill set. And I think that just further the case for why is he still kind of sitting on the fence? Why isn't he getting that chance back on the bigger stage? Why can't he go hang with, like, the best in the world? Because I think he's more than proved himself that he can do that. I mean, like you said, four-fight win streak, got the belt, defended it. I mean, and he's not really had much trouble in any of his fights either. He's, like, won them quite comfortably. Um, he's shown a lot of character, a lot of maturity. And that's what you'd expect of someone of that experience and calibre in a fighter. Yeah, I think I think they really only have that Charrier fight there for him. Uh, off the top of my head, um, I know Perry Goodwin has looked great since he moved down to featherweight, but I feel Morgan Charrier, the amount of attention he brings to the backer, which I know was true to Truman for, I had no idea. I think uh, Dean knows now as well how uh, popular Morgan is, but I, I feel like if it's not the UFC, it's got to be him. But I really wanted to ask you about the welterweight fight, right? Because uh, you, you've got skin in the game there to a set. Like, you know what I mean? It's um, Jolton Santos, I can remember when he came over. Uh, he no, nobody in Europe really knew about him, but my uh, my colleague from Brazil, uh, he was like, "This guy's really good," you know. Like he, I know he's a mixed record or whatever, but he's really really good. And um, you know, he got the win against you that night, but we saw a completely different version of him against Alex Lahore last night. Like that is the last way I imagine that fight to finish, right? Like I I'm so surprised by that. Still, I mean, you've been in there with Santos. Is he that good? Yeah, I mean, he's a very good wrestler and grappler. I mean, my hindsight on it is I picked a guy that I watched his last few fights back and I thought he was the type of guy I wanted to fight like basically what he did to Lahore was what I saw in his last few fights now those last few fights was one was a few months before the others were a few years apart I couldn't find much about him online so I didn't know he was a black belt in jets didn't know he was a black belt in judo and no matter how much I tried to find it I couldn't whereas all my mates somehow managed to find it but none of them told me because they assumed I knew so my game plan of oh I'm just going to try and use my strength and size to smother him a bit well that plays right into the hands of a judo guy because I distribute my weight wrong um, but he's got such a 
relentless like top game that he's just in tight enough like couldn't create space it's quite similar to when I fought Sanchez like just relentless on top not giving you the space so you're getting smothered getting enough space to keep active yeah but they're just grinding out that win I mean yeah it might not be an entertaining fight and you're not going you're not going there to fight you're going there to win um, but that's the sport um, and I mean with someone like Lahore that that would work as well but I mean you want to make a statement for someone against someone like Lahore I mean he chats a load of shit all the time he he jumps on and like if they put something up at any other world away he'll just go on there gob off a bit so I mean everyone's saying about the unsportsman like stuff at the end when he's like going mat 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 well I thought it was quite fucking funny um, yeah. I mean like I, was, I really wanted to get that from a fighter's point of view because I'm looking at it like I didn't really see much of the pre-fight amble before between those guys and now that you're saying that that's an interesting point but uh, when I was just watching it, it was like I was like oh this is bad this is very bad this looks very bad but I mean from your point of view if someone is talking that much beforehand do you think you're going to have to bite the bullet if, it, if, if they do do something shocking like that I think you go into it like if you're going to try to build up a fight build up yourself like to be fair I never saw anything if anything got said before I've like I've basically been on a bit of a social media call myself like I've been focusing on trying to do life and stuff just having a break but I've not seen anything but from what I know of Lahore and if you've seen anything he, he jumps on everyone so it doesn't matter like whether he's done it to you or to his opponent like anyone who's kind of been on receiving end of that will just be like well so do you write the swat and like that's the reality of it I mean it, yeah, it might be a bit more on sports like the people see and people are going to see it and be like, well, he didn't need to say it. it. might have gone a bit too far, but Lahore would have done the same. Like, And if you're going to build up that animosity before a fight, well, you've got to expect it. I mean, I've never known someone to get knocked out quite like he did against Dalby and not be humbled slightly. I mean, you should get humbled with a loss anyway, but I mean, if you do a free fucking 60 in the cage after getting knocked out, well, come on, sort it out and just start respecting people as fighters like, I've never once really got in and chat shit before a fight like there's no need yeah. um, you can do stuff like that might be out of character slightly to help build a fight and everyone does that but if you're constantly relentlessly being that guy that people know that you're just gonna immaturely talk some crap which you might have been told or not told you can say by some other people because you know that's the way it is then that's it but you've got to know that karma's gonna happen and like if you chat shit and get banged it's genuinely that <laughs> it's uh, a lot of Irish fans were hoping that they'd make the McKee Lahore fight they, they assumed Lahore would be able to get through this I think uh, Santos is a, is a tougher matchup for McKee if, if they were going to look towards that match because uh, you know I just imagine that a Lahore fight would play inside Reese's wheelhouse he's a knockout artist so is Alex this is a different one now we, we've got a bit of a, a, an enigma on our hands here with uh, Santos I feel I spoke to Reese after we beat Hacken Foresight and before like, I spoke to him because I fought Hacken and I basically said, look, this is what you need to do. So he's going out aggressive and he, he won't be able to stand it. And then Reese watched him fight back and he saw what I meant. And again, you watch Foss against Richardson, against um, Khalid and stuff, and you can see that he just fades if you give him the pressure. So that fight worked perfectly. And I think it'd be the same fight for Lahore. Like, I think McKee's just too much. He's... He's a very unorthodox and explosive striker, especially coming up away. Like, I met Reese first a few years ago on a golden ticket preparation when he was still fighting a featherweight, and he looked like shit. He was so gaunt. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, now, since he's, he's grown into a lot more now, and like, he, he suits the physique. Like, his weight cut didn't seem as bad last time. I still, he probably still cuts quite a lot because um, he's a tall guy. He's like the same height as me, but he was a lot better at that weight, I find. And I think Lahore match it wouldn't be the fight he needs. Like, you want to go up when you beat someone and I think Lahore would have been too much of a step down even if he had gone through this one um, the person I want to see McKee fight would be Proctor but I know he's got 
is out of his hand at the moment, it looks like. That'd be outrageous. Yeah, if, it'd be, it's a great fight. I mean, you've got two great fighters, and I mean, they're clearly next in line for a shot at the belt. If not, I don't know what's going on with the belt, um, with Houston and that. Um, but I mean, if they put an interim title on for Dalby and Lahore, so I don't see why they wouldn't do it for them if he's going to sit out again or for whatever reason. But Santos in the mix as well. I mean, he's a very difficult fighter to deal with. Like, he's stronger than he looks. He's literally built like a middleweight like he doesn't look at it. he's heavy um and he's got such a wide skill set and he just goes around training he's quite like Soldek. um i was talking to lou long about earlier just saying like you've got these guys where they come in you don't know a lot about them like on the european scene but and you can only find out so much about them but you don't actually realize until after who they train with like Soldek at one point he made hector lombard look tiny in a photo like he's a huge strong guy yeah and i mean you get all these guys over and again you don't know much about them so you can only go with what you can get but they train with good guys and not that we don't have good guys in the UK but we don't have them as easily accessible like I'm down in Devon and I'm two hours away from anyone and most of the closest ones are in Wales and that's like you can do that trip but you can't do it every day which is what you need unless you move there and uproot your life and go there you don't have it on your doorstep whereas these gyms in like London you can go from like shoot to Team Titan or um which, where is that like UK top team and I'm from Ireland yeah yeah and for, <laughs> go from Ireland <laughs> But you've got all these teams in like a local, in a big city where you can work. Like where I say Exeter, which is where my gym's based, we've got loads of different guys. I mean, we've got some really well-known jets guys, um, but they just they do just do jets or they just do boxing. No one really mixes it up. Um, it's just, it's a shame that we don't necessarily have that availability the same. But it's difference in where you position in the UK. Like I mean, my um, teammate Joseph's fighting on Bellator tonight, and they wouldn't locally really has an idea she's had all this massive last minute um interest from the media like local news um local the donkey wrangler i mean i'm very excited about this since you've told me hey, donkey wrangler, she works at donkey Sanctuary. she has one of the best jobs ever like she mucks up donkeys for a living i mean <laughs> who doesn't want to do that <laughs> that's amazing man i can't i can't actually wait for her fight now i just got a couple of more things for you before uh, we go and thank you so much for all your time man great great hearing your takes on all this um brad wharton your vimto brother Six years on the call for Cage Warriors yesterday, man. The man is a legend in this part of the world. It's, uh, it's great to see people kind of uh, big him up now. I, I feel like um, it's always happened, but I feel like now more than ever, people are big in the likes of him and Ian, up, Ian Dean. These guys are getting the credit they, they deserve, right? Like, I mean, there's so many key components there in Cage Warriors, and Brad is without a doubt one of them, right? Brad's basically a bit of the furniture, and, I mean, he's Brad's great. Like, as a character, he's great. As a commentator, he's great. He brings like that oomph that you want like he gets really into it like when he shouts unbelievable he gets, he gets mental I mean him and Ian especially if there isn't a cage where his pension they should be in line for it and you know obviously with my other job if they want some help I can give them some pointers <laughs> <laughs> but I mean Brad's just someone who I think people commentators get a lot of stick they're like they're similar to refs and judges they're, they're quick to get criticised but they don't get enough praise so it's very slow for the praise and like Brad's great like he loves the sport he lives for it and if you don't know him as a person, like, chat to him. I'm sure if you ever get a chance to meet him, like, anyone that's listening, he'll give you all the time, Absolutely. give him some Vimto especially, and he's, he's anyone's for a Vimto. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's just, he's a key part of the current Cage Warriors team and has been for years, and it's now he's, people are starting to realise that. I think as the brand grows, like, over time, which it has done, it's gone from strength to strength, especially since, like, Graham took over and reintroduced it after the little hiatus a few years ago. Um, 
it's just good to see that these guys that are in the background are starting to get the kudos they deserve. Like Ian as well. He's one of the nicest guys ever. Like he, he's, he's fucking hilarious. Like if you ever get a chance to meet him, like for a guy who sees so many shriveled dicks, you'd think he'd be a bit more traumatized. But he's, he loves his job. Maybe maybe that's the thing. Um, <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. It was also uh, Donald Dollery's last show uh, last night. Uh, one of the great riggers there. I know his son Paul very well. He, he's a legend, man. Everybody loves that guy. I mean, do, do you interact with Donald a lot when you're at the shows? Uh, it seems like a lot of the, the, the fighters really love that guy. I fucking love Don. He, genuinely, I met him when I, fought, when I fought in Jordan against John Redmond. I'd never met him. Like I heard that was, that, the amount of stories that came out of that, <laughs> that show that will never be allowed to be told, but amazing by the sounds of it. That show was like, it's brilliant. I mean, I never met Don and him and Dave had a little relationship from a few shows before and he just treated me as like, he, he knew me completely. Like him and Russ looked after me and like, I love those guys. Like they're a great team and it almost feels like, like for my cage warriors journey a little bit of that sound died like i didn't know it was john um don's last one until i got told by russ a few days ago i was like oh what i'm not even there yeah. and like, i've literally messaged don today so i hope i still see you at shows from there like even even if you're just there to watch like he's a legend guy. like when i do my three hour breakfast sittings like on fight day I, i'll end up having breakfast with don for about an hour of it and <laughs> honestly i'm the, i'm I might not be a champion at anything at Cage Rise, but I'm the breakfast champion and I won't challenge anyone to that. And everyone can back me up. I have breakfast with about 10 different people every time. <laughs> it sounds like, uh, boy, what Paddy's saying, it sounds like Joe Giannetti could give you a run for your money by the sounds of things. But um, finally, when are we going to see you back in there? I mean, um, when, when are we going to see the Thundercat back in the Cage Warriors cage? Like, do you have any immediate plans? Sounds like, uh, you know, Alex Lahore doesn't sound bad at the moment. <laughs> Um, I'm looking to get back in next year. I mean, I'm taking a bit of time out this Christmas. Um, I need to sort my shit out, basically. The last two fights I've had, I've not been happy with. It, I wouldn't say that's been me in there. Like, everyone says it makes excuses. Like, I turned up, I did the fight camp, just didn't go my way. Um, and whether that's done to my poor decision-making, wasn't quite ready. Any facts can be in mind. But, I mean, the next time I get back in there, I tend to be back on form, be the way I should be, like and just put on those entertaining fights and I think the last two just I've not been happy with so it's almost like unfinished business in my head but at the moment I'm just chilling out I'm not putting any stress on anything um, I get back in there as soon as something comes up that interests me and that kind of that spark reignites um, but for now I'm just going to get fat over Christmas I'm on my donut diet which is helping and you know you look fantastic thank you you don't look so bad yourself <laughs> but I, I hate you because you eat all this stuff and you still keep a fantastic physique it's very annoying for the common man like myself well if you trained quite as much and it's, oh, yes. I do I do <laughs> I don't even say it's that if you've put your body through as many torturous weight cuts as I have and you've screwed your body up to a point where you're not sure if when you have your water retention after weight cut whether it's all the extra sugar in your str- in your body or whether you're having rapid kidney and liver failure and you can joke about it um well you know that's what it is my body just doesn't know where it's coming or going i think it just puts the weight in different places i think my ass is quite big at the minute so maybe it's there (laughs) great thank you so much man i love speaking to you it's always great to see you on the road and we can't wait to see you back in there man thanks mate it's good to see you too and what a lovely guy he is that Craig White, always a gentleman ever since the first day I ever spoke to him. But now, after uh, you heard us breaking it down, let's let's go and have a listen to some of the things Graham Boylan had to say here. You know, really good insights there in the Paddy situation with Gianetti from Boylan. He also hints at something there that his fighters are going to be excited about. He mentions the mothership. And then he says, uh, oh yeah, ask him. I said, are you talking with the UFC? And he's just like, next question. 
thought that was very interesting. There's a few good bits in there. He also speaks about the situation with Ross Houston. So, um, yeah, we'll be back after Graham has had a few words with y'all. He's in a, a fine vein of form these days, uh, Graham Boyle, and he is playing the evil promoter fantastically well. He has a lot of attitude, and I, I really think he is uh, he's doing the Cage Warriors brand wonders at the moment. I think it's all of this Bellator stuff has, has made everyone on the Cage Warriors team step their game up, and it's uh, really interesting to see. And the same on the other side, but uh, here's uh, Graham Boylan. Graham, first of all, uh, big, big night for the company, a new champion crown tonight. Um, how do you feel the event went? Uh, big success for us. Uh, sold out arena. Um, the fights were, for us, I thought they were spectacular fights, uh, very entertaining fights, and they sucked the crowd in on everything that happened there. I think the crowd were cheering every kick, punch, elbow, submission attempt, so it was a good night for us, good finish to the year. It's uh, it's always a big loss when someone like Paddy gets uh, taken off a card, obviously a huge star, and even you could feel how much his comeback, uh, how much it was stimulating interest in Europe and UK, particularly in Ireland. Um, how much of a, of a loss is it when a guy like that, a, a superstar there, gets taken off the card for a company like Cage Warriors? Um, it's a big loss depending on where he is on the card. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realise. I think Paddy was a late addition to London because we didn't know whether he was going to be fit to fight or not um, so we kind of had the card built and we had one spot left open if we got the green light that Paddy was good to go uh, so he was he was a, a confirmed late addition so we we sell this place out every time we come here it's our home so to lose Paddy is devastating on a, a content and energy and eyes on the show but the show was sold out prior to that anyway unfortunate circumstances were how it happened you know um, but Paddy would be probably on the first show of the year we're going to Manchester it's not far from his hometown so uh, probably answering your next question is that's where he'll be yeah just just one more on that uh, how do you feel about the Gianetti situation I mean you, you did very well uh, to get him in at the last minute a really high caliber opponent an opponent that's known to international audience as well um, how disappointing is that when you guys extend yourselves and, and you get the fighter over and then he doesn't come in on the weight? Like, I mean, is that, is, that, is that disappointing for Cage Warriors? It's disappointing for Cage Warriors, it's disappointing for the fans, and it's disappointing for Paddy, you know? Um, and if we just remove Paddy's name from this for a second, it's disappointing for any fighter, you know? He, he's, he's trained, and any fighter would train their ass off for eight weeks to get a fight on such a prestigious show uh, to finish the year, so... For Gennetti to come in seven and a half pounds over, um, I think it's disrespectful to Cage Warriors to have given him the opportunity to take a chance on his word that he said he would make the weight um, to come in and not do it. Had he made some attempt and reached out to us the morning of the weigh-in, uh, I believe there could have been some kind of middle ground catchweight fight put together, but he didn't. Um, he stepped on the scales seven and a half pounds over. Um, stepped off the scales went straight back to his seat and started hydrating so uh, <laughs> it kind of says it for itself really yeah. well, you, can, you can understand Paddy's logic basically then is pretty much what you're saying there yeah I understand Paddy's logic no, no, to, I, sa I said on air tonight we were the ones that told um, Paddy's head was all over the place you know he's a fighter it, it, the first words out of Paddy's mouth in those uh, minutes were 
my, my head's fucked. You know, I've got all these people who come to see me uh, to fight. It's my big comeback. So I personally pulled Paddy aside and said, you cannot fight because of external pressure. You know, this show is done. It's a big show. There's world title fights in this card. You cannot step in there just because people have come to see you. You've got a long career ahead of you. Going in there against a guy who's seven and a half pounds over when you've just bust your ass to make weight is not a wise thing to do. But the decision is yours. We're telling you not to do it. Um, he listened to experienced words. We know what we're doing. Um, he took it on board and it broke his heart. It literally broke his heart to have to walk away from that fight. He's a fighter. He doesn't want to walk away from fights. Um, but it was a sensible thing for him to do. Like I said, he's got a long career ahead of him. So, you know, even in there lost, you know, where does he go from there? So he's got a career to think about. He's not, he, made, he, made, he made a good decision uh, based on feedback that he was given. Hmm. Graham, we saw a title change in tonight's main event. Uh, Natalia Frederick knocked out James Webb in their second encounter of the year. You know, how nice was it to see that this fight didn't go to a contentious draw at the last one and that we actually got a defined winner here tonight uh, it's nice that they kind of finished off old business to say um, Nathias was strong man he was super strong in the feet uh, whether it was a gas thing a cardio thing towards the end just Nathias just wore James down but on the feet I just didn't see that James had any answers for Nathias striking and his aggression and the power in those shots towards the end um, maybe a rubber match we don't know we'll see now we got we got a champion he's in Birmingham so we'll be going to Birmingham in April maybe he'll defend there and we'll see what's what is there any other names floating around for Natias as his first uh, defence or is it maybe just a rubber match that you're looking to book um, it's not something we've even thought about or looked at uh, we'll figure that out maybe next week we'll take a few days off and myself and Ian will sit down and start looking at the first four or five shows of the year and see who's going to fit him where. Yeah. We've also seen Manchester. It's going to be you know, the first ever cage show in Manchester. Not tempted to go across the Pennines to the Noise Neighbours in Leeds? <laughs> we'll, uh, there's only so many shows and cities we can fit in. Um, so we'll, we'll test the water with Manchester. Uh, Jack Cartwright, Bantamweight champion, needs a run out. So we'll come and bring the cameras and the platform to him and see what kind of reception he gets in Manchester. Seen this year has been you've turned the dial up to ten. Next year already ten event ten events announced. You know how do you beat this year after a bantamweight tournament, uh, a night of champions card, uh, and so many thrilling fights throughout the year. We've got some strong stuff up our sleeves that we've been announcing pretty soon. Um, there's a few little I's and T's and dots and crosses to happen, but we've got um, we've got, I, I believe we'll have some good news to spread for the fighters and what's going to be available to them in the new year, which will, I believe, up the game again within the industry. So we're working on that with the mothership. Great. We saw um, Ian Gary here tonight. Um, thoughts in his career and any plans for his, any future opponents for him? Um, no future opponents as such. Uh, Ian is another one of these guys that will probably step in and fight a world title fight tomorrow. Um, but it's... Uh, it's baby steps. He'll get developed, and he'll be a huge star and a huge name in Cage Warriors. You know, he's be. I, I believe um, Ian in Ireland, Reese up in Belfast, Joe uh, Hughes. We're starting to build that Irish scene again. So we've, we've got a got strong plans 2020. And you mentioned Jack Cartwright earlier. Um, any opponent in mind for his first title defense? 
Uh, we had eyes on a fight tonight that could have been something there, but no, we're back to the drawing board, so we'll see what's there. We'll see what comes up in that, yeah. What did you mean when you said the mothership there? Yeah, yeah. Any other questions? Are you talking about UFC? Any other questions? Finally. Yeah. Tired. What were the other standout performances for you this evening? Mads Brunel. Mads stood off for me tonight. We got to see his striking, you know. Um, everybody talks about Mads as the submission king of Europe and he's this and he's that, but I think tonight we got to see a different side of Mads. Um, the Liam Gettins I'm a single fight, I've yet to see the second two rounds, but the first round looked absolutely crazy. Um, I didn't get to see the second uh, two and three, but I'm looking forward to watching that back so I'll talk about it. Um, so, yeah, but tomorrow in general, I'll watch the show back. I've been uh, scrambling everywhere tonight. It's been a busy night for me. Would the UFC speak to us about Mads? Yeah. No, it's not a conversation that we would have with them, no. Yeah. Uh, just a word on Modestus Bukowskis. Uh, retained his belt tonight in classic fashion. He's built his profile up a little bit recently, what with going into the Isla Fernandos or whatever it is that show is. Um, do you reckon with the London card fast approaching the UFC could come knocking or are there any specific plans you have for him that you might think that he might be better suited staying with you? Um, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Medeskis go you know um, there was a time it was maybe questionable where Medeskis would end up but he turned a corner in his career he took on a he took on some big names beat them he's a champion he's just defended it the light heavyweight division in Europe there's not a lot to choose from or pick or so I'd like to see him go if he doesn't we'll find someone for him in London um, but I believe he does deserve a shot based on his last three or four performances yeah. um, in regards to Giannetti um, on Twitter he was stating that he, he was 30 pounds over a week ago was, was that something Cage Warriors were aware of was that discussed before he took the fight I was told about that uh, yesterday when people started mentioning that, that that was on Twitter and that, that's what he was saying. Um, if, if, if guys, managers or coaches and we talk to them and they say they can make the weight, we've only got to take them for the word. You know, we, we, can't, we can't judge and say, no way you're making that. We ask them what the weight is, they'll tell us. Uh, you get, we're seasoned pros, we have no problem making that weight. We've got, we can only take them for the word. If they turn up and it's not what they said, you know, that's, that's once bitten, twice shy for us. Uh, um, you know, but we've got to take them for a word when they tell us this. But we did not know at that point that that was the weight he was walking at. Um, well, I've seen guys cut, cut that type of weight in two weeks. So even if he did say that, it's not something we would have gone, holy shit. You know, we've seen guys cut, cut that type of weight. Just the two. Um, is there not the temptation to I know you said Manchester is there not the temptation to take them back to the Liverpool and go back to the the Echo Arena and sell that out or um, we, we need to test new territory you know um, Manchester is somewhere we've not been it's been asked for for years and years um, we'll, we'll test it out we'll see where it goes Paddy will be on that card uh, we'll see how Jack does what kind of crowd he draws maybe we step, in, step into a bigger arena in Manchester um, we've got 10 shows scheduled, released. There's more to come. So maybe Liverpool slips in at the end of the year there. What? We also saw uh, when these announcements were made about the events, a lot of Scottish fans getting a little bit riled up that there's no return to Glasgow or going, going up past the border. Uh, is that something we might see in the future announcements? Um, maybe towards the end of the year. Definitely not within the first half of the year. We're kind of stacked out. Uh, it's hard for us to 
step into cities where the brand hasn't done well previously. Um, we have a lot to calculate both financially and um, arenas and dates and slotting everything in. So we'll see where it is at the end of the year. We've got a few Scottish guys on the roster. Some of them are coming off losses. Um, so it, it, it's something that is on our radar, but we need to fit in towards the end of the year if it is going to happen. We also saw tonight uh, Lotobach, he knocked out Alex Lahore, who was a top prospect in the welterweight division. Uh, what the, you know, what's his future hold for that division now? We've got Ian Gary coming up the ranks, uh, Ross Houston is defending champion. You know, you know, what, where, where would we see that division go this year? Uh, well, we're finished for this year. <laughs> um, so next year, I don't know, maybe there's a fight there for Ross, see what Ross wants to do. Uh, you got Reese McKee there as well. Um, Lahore probably would have been in that mix, but after tonight, no. Santos may be back in the mix. So it, it's starting to starting to brew in that division. Yeah. Look, we're all behind Ross. When Ross is ready, we're happy to put him on the card. He, he, he's got some issues about where he wants to fight. I think he's a little bit upset because the UFC haven't signed him for Copenhagen. He thought he might get in there. Um, I know the UFC will take him at some point. Maybe there's some clock ticking in Ross's head where he wants to give up that dream and go somewhere else. But if I was Ross, I'd sit tight, defend his belt, and it's there for him. When does his contract expire? Do you think he could just run it out? No. What does it say about the uh, appetite for MMA in this part of the world with two shows on this weekend, Bellator obviously at the SSE and then you guys here selling out the Indigo? I mean, it, it must mean good things for a promoter uh, being in this part of the world and having these both these cards generate so much interest. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing for the sport. The sport is growing, you know. So to have the crowds, like we have sold out show tonight. I don't know what the other crowd will do tomorrow. I don't know what type of crowd they'll get. Um, but London's a big place, you know, just, 10 odd million people here you know if you, if you can't do well 10 million people in the city then maybe it's time to pack up and get into something else chess or something I don't know any words about uh, Donald Dollery I heard it's his last night tonight and I mean he, he is uh, a member of the Cage Warriors family we see him at all these events over the years and uh, he, he's a well liked man um, what, what is, does he mean to the, the Cage Warriors family He's he's been part of the family for a long time I think he, he brings a lot of ease to the fighters they see that face but you know getting his pension his bus pass soon so I don't know if we can have him running around the cage like that you're going to present the gold watch now or yeah we look for a gold watch he's been, he's been after a gold watch for a while so we've got to tie it on and pick one up over Christmas a big thank you to Graham Boylan uh, great stuff again with him post fight there um, we're going to go on and, and talk about Bellator a bit more now um, I think they've done a lot of great things with this card um, you know it wasn't the most attended event I've been to in that arena for Bellator. It probably they told one of the staff guys there who works at the SSE told me it was about half the arena they had opened. So I reckon there's about four to five thousand people there. But I think they've planted a lot of good seeds here. There's a lots of good stories to take from this event. What about Robert Whiteford pouring his heart out backstage? I would have liked if we had stayed on that subject a bit more. Some other people asked him some questions about stuff that was happening in the fight, but. When a when a guy is becoming so emotional like that, we that's where you need to. It doesn't matter what happened in the fight; something else is happening here. I would have would have liked to delve into that a bit more, to be honest. But um, an amazing storyline. They need to give that to people more, promote that, explain uh, all the things this man has been through. Exceptional. 
Um, Chris Bungard v. Chris v. Peter Quealy. That's another plant that's been see uh, a seed that's been planted there. Peter planted that seed a long time ago, to be fair. But Bungard seems interested, so let that happen. That should be a prominent fight in Dublin. People are already interested. You know, Peter has, as I said, he he's kind of set the fuse for that one. So that needs to happen. They also, they should also um, kind of build up this thing between Fabian Edwards and Mike Shipman. Like, there's no need to do that rematch immediately, but put them on a collision course to get back to that rematch. The energy that was in that room that night with Bellator was fantastic. I mean, it was it was really really tense. There was fights busting out left, right, and center. You know, it really meant something to people and. You know, I'm not saying that people fighting each other in the crowd is a good thing, but it really shows how much it meant to them, and I think that's a really good thing that Bellator need to take from that. Um, one of the things probably most disappointing about the night for me was uh, was MVP not coming back and speaking to us after the fight. Okay, you've called for Douglas Lima there, um, a rematch with him, obviously his, his sole professional defeat, and that's fine, but... Um, the first thing everybody saw on social media, what social media were saying was, oh, this is ridiculous. How can he beat this guy, this Italian guy we've never heard of, and then call for a shot at the champion? Um, You know, if he had to come back and, and spoke about that and sold it to us, then maybe he'd have, you know, a case there. But the fact that he didn't, you know, it kind of leaves that on a loose end. And I'd like to say, like, Michael's been nothing but a gentleman to me over the years. He's always been so, so sound. But, um... That's just something, like, I mean, he's usually uber professional, but uh, I feel like he missed a beat by not doing it that night. Like, to, to give you a better idea, I think I mentioned this with Jade uh, Morris, who I'm going to introduce now in a second, who who helped me recap Bellator, but I can remember when Gaslam and Till was announced, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on here, man? This makes no sense. And then I heard Till talking about it at that uh, media day, uh, the full Reptile video I watched, and I was like, actually, do you know what? This is great. This is This makes perfect sense. Actually got to speak to Darren uh, because his teammate Raf pulled off a beautiful win there um, earlier in the card. I saw him and Terry Adam and Colin Heron backstage, and actually your man Raf uh, Chigba he moves a lot like Terry Adam back in his day. And I was saying that to Terry, but I think Terry thought I was talking about like saying Darren Till moves like him, so he was a bit confused. <laughs> but uh, Darren looks amazing, man. He looks so healthy, and um, he, he's in a great place. You know, he didn't say anything about the Whitaker fight being made. He, you know, it seems like that's something he definitely wants. But uh, really, in a great place, like big smile on his face, talking to me about the the Gastelum fight. Just seems like everyone in that crew was is onto great things again, and, and really good to see that. But um, yeah, me and Jade uh, met the next morning, just after I'd spoke to Nathaniel. Actually, just a few minutes after, and um, we met in the Hilton to have a chat about this. I'm really grateful for Jade. For helping me out with this, uh, you'll know Jade from Yahoo Sports, ESPN, many other publications. She also does some work with KSW now. Uh, she was with me all the way back for, to the Cage Warriors event on Friday night, and only a handful of us were there that night. Um, Kieran Cobley, uh, Fight IQ were there. The full Reptile guys were there. Uh, me and Jade were the, me and Jade were there. Simon Head was there for a bit, but we had some Wi-Fi issues earlier in the night, so we had to head off. But anyway, I'm babbling. Um, so let's hear from Jade now, who helped me talk about this. Jade was actually struck when the uh, the media area was stormed by uh, London shoot fighters when Fabian when they thought Fabian Edwards was starting some type of altercation when he left the cage, but he was just celebrating. So all for nothing. But uh, you know, justice for Jade. We need to start the hashtag. Uh, 
She'll never walk again. There's a lawsuit on the way. I'm joking, I'm joking. But uh, thank you so much to Jade. Um, we'll be back in a few minutes to uh, introduce Dave Green, who had a few things to say. Uh, of course, the head of Bellator Europe. So we'll speak to Jade. I'll introduce Dave, and then you can wrap your faces around that one. And now I am here with Jade Morris. You will know her from Yahoo Sports, from ESPN, and many, many other publications. And Jade has been with me all week here. We've done Cage Warriors and we did Bellator London yesterday. Um, a lot to talk about. We're going we're gonna to really break down the, the Bellator section of, of the events over the weekend. But uh, how are you, Jade? Um, as many people might have known if they were following social media, um, as Fabian, uh, Fabian Edwards scales the fence, London Shoot jumped into the media area yesterday and poor Jade got an awful wallop to the leg. <laughs> how are you feeling today? Are we going to put the claim in yet? <laughs> My leg has not fallen off. We're all good. It's still here. Bit of a shock at the time. <laughs> I think everyone thought I was like, you know, on, a, you know, taken off. But I was taken away by medics. But I'm all good. You know, not that I'm dramatic at all. She's on crutches. There's a lot of blood still leaving the leg. <laughs> but no, I'm okay. I'm surviving. We're good. We're good. Nothing will stop me from a fight night. <laughs> it was uh, just speaking on that, right? I mean, I've been to a, a fair few Bellator events, but I don't think I've ever been there when there was such a tension in the in the room, right? Like, I mean, I felt like I was looking behind me all the time because I felt like something could pop off. And I really feel like that's because of the whole Fabian Edwards-Mike Shipman thing, right? Whatever about the fight not being the most exciting thing in the world, people really cared about that fight this week, right? It felt really big. When it came time to happen, the tension was palpable and it really felt like a big atmosphere in the, in the, the SSE, right? For sure, because that was like the people's event, right? Everyone wanted to see that fight. And as we saw in the build-up, these guys clearly had, you know, they had some beef. Um, and then obviously, you know, a bit of a controversy in terms of the decision. But it just goes to show, no one was really sure which way it was going to go. Some people thought it was Shipman, some people thought it was Fabian. It's one of those where you do, like what Shipman said when he spoke to us afterwards, he'll have to watch the fight back and kind of see what happened. But... Yeah, that caused absolute chaos once that decision went. And then obviously when he then jumped over the cage, we all thought he'd done it. <laughs> we, In fairness, we thought something had happened too. Like, I understand why the London shoot goes. Maybe me personally, not that I'm a fantastic fighter anyway, and I would have got involved. Like, I mean, I can understand why they thought something might have happened because the crowd kind of took a big gasp, right? And then next of all, Jade's getting impaled by a chair. People are all over the ground. And then it's all kind of calmed down two seconds later, which is very strange. It was the weirdest thing. Because I thought I thought it was um, a brawl. I thought a full-on brawl had broken out. I just heard people around me scream. And I had no idea what was going on. I had chairs flying at me. I was on the table going, oh my word, what is happening? And then two seconds later, it was all like, this is chill, nothing's happened. I was just like... What is going on? But the guy who jumped behind me, he face planted on the floor because he got caught on the rail, which is how, to be fair to him, he didn't mean to, you know, attack me with the chair, but um, <laughs> he volleyed the chair when he fell and it just caused a knock-on effect of chaos. But then he walked off awkwardly once he realised Fabian had just jumped over to hug his teammate. So it was a weird night. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, big Nasty and, and the whole gang were there for the main event, as we saw. Um, I couldn't take a picture of Big Nasty earlier. I don't know if you heard this. I don't know if I told you last night. I turned around at one point and I asked MVP if I could take a picture of him and Big Nasty together and I was told I couldn't. So then, then Abby Subban took a picture of us <laughs> coming over her shoulder of Big Nasty. Uh, it was pretty funny, but um, a big a big win for MVP. And look, MVP showed up and he, and he had to fight the guy that they could get him, right? I mean, he was stuck with a, la- a late-notice opponent, but... Um, 
it kind of went exactly the way everyone imagined to do it. It's that that's what he does. He highlight real KOs people. I don't know if it's moved him on so much. I mean, he's calling for a rematch with the champion now, Douglas Lima. And and look, it isn't his fault again uh, that he fought the guy they put in front of him. But it just feels like a big jump from this guy we haven't really ever heard of to the champion of Bellator, right? After the win. I think you're right. And it is a shame because, like you say, he can't control who yeah, he gets put in front of him. Um, and yeah, it's, it just really was a walk another walk-off showreel highlight. It just shows he, you know, he is one of the best. Um, yes, he did have that loss. You know, I think. I would love to see that fight again, personally. I would really like to see that fight. Um, He's just so good. He's so good. I just feel like there's going to be so many people up in arms because, oh, he he fought Richard Coyley and this guy, and now he fights the champion again. But I do feel as though people underrate him greatly. Like, I mean, yes, he did get knocked out by Douglas Lima, but a lot of people got knocked out by Douglas Lima, okay? Like, I mean, it's not. Like, it's the one loss in his record. Um. I, I do feel as though that's a great fight to make for Lima as well because MVP brings so many eyes to, to the fight night. But I, but I do feel as though we're going to have a bit of a, an issue. Like, I mean, an issue in terms of um, the fan base reacting to that. But I, I feel as though it was very important for him to show up after the fight and make his case. And he didn't come and speak to us after the fight. And, you know, all the publications are sending us here to, to hear what MVP has to say a lot, a lot of the time. You know what I mean? So I just felt as though... If he had got the win, we're all sitting there going, is this enough to get Lima? He should have came back and convinced us that it was enough. And then we would have been probably going, like same with Till when he fought Gaslam. I was like, I don't understand this fight. Then I heard Till talking about it. I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then he went and won it, you know? No, it's true. Funnily enough, I did actually catch Michael Page last night. Exclusive Euro bash. Go ahead, Jay. So I did tell him off. I said, oi, you, why weren't you backstage doing media? And he, he hid behind Jim Edwards. Like, I'm really sorry. I'll come next time. I was like, you better. Sure. Said, you missed out. So he did apologize um, for not. It's funnily enough, I haven't got the text message yet. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, he knows he's in. He knows he's in the bad books. It's right. So there's a lot of interesting pieces at play here right because you saw at the weigh-in there was a big bust up between Shipman and Fabian and then Michael Venom Page comes in when when there's something that goes off Page is there breakfast buffet here he comes (laughs) (laughs) but it's like yeah it's like Fabian right Fabian um Fabian afterwards says he'd fight MVP at middleweight are you kidding me that is mental. That would be a what? That's a wild fight. That would blow my mind. I kind of want to see it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's, like, I mean, Fabian, when I asked him, was there beef there? He moved to the side. Of course, Leon Edwards is on the same management team as Michael Venom Page. So I can understand why he doesn't want to stoke the fire too much there. Also, James Gallagher and MVP are on the same team. And then they had that big bust up with Mike Kimball earlier in the week. And we had heard James' story. And, and I felt a lot of people sided with James in that situation. I felt a lot of people were like, you know, especially uh, sons, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, if, my, if someone said something about that, my, about my mother, I'd do exactly the same thing. But again, him and Michael Venom Page had a bit of an exchange there. It seemed like they had settled it all down. But then we hear Mike Shipman talking about how he didn't like the way James handled MVP there. I mean, there's a lot of different little things that that have been set off. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to come to anything, but it does feel as though there was so much tension and, and little beefs breaking out left, right, and centre this week, right? Well, I actually, I expected them to be a, when Mike Shipman came backstage to speak to us. I expected there to be a lot more, um, him to be a lot more. You know, I want that rematch, and oh, yeah, but he seemed to be, he seemed to be you know really gracious and say you know I need to watch the fight back, and yeah. he said he did think he won, but he needs to watch the fight back. So, but I I don't think we're going to see that rematch 
for a while. Not for a while. When we asked, obviously, uh, David about it, he said that it's probably not next on the cards either. So but they don't need to do it next. Like they, it doesn't need to come next. That's a, that's a fight that when you can make that many people in a room feel that way. I think you can do that fight whenever. It's like Nate Diaz and, and um, Conor McGregor, to a lesser extent, of course. But in the UK, that's always going to sell that fight, I think. Even though it didn't live up to expectation, to be in the arena that night and to feel how, how the promotion made the people feel, it was pretty amazing. So I think they can do that whenever, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's something they can uh, come back to. But I think Fabian Edwards, he's going to be he's going to be a big star. And I think that was just such an infuriating fight for him because, obviously, you know, he was... Uh, Mike Schumann was landing so many takedowns and ending up in half guard, and he just didn't seem to have any answers for it. Um, so it did seem like quite an infuriating fight. Obviously, on the feet, Fabian um, had the advantage there. Um, it was a really tough back and forth fight, and I think he'll learn a lot from that fight. Like he said afterwards, he's going to, you know, uh, watch it back. He's going to take a lot from it. He said that he did, uh, you know, a lot that he expected him to, but he was still landing those shots, which is why people were so unsure on which way that fight had gone, which is understandable. Um, yeah, and also I, I would li- I would like to see that fight again in the future. Maybe not next, but yeah. I would like to see that fight again in the future. I agree with you. Um, back and uh, Brazier was a huge fight. It was two double champions, one from Cage Warriors, one from Bama, one of the most bizarre entrances of all time. <clears throat> oh, look, I'm, I'm, Terry Brazier is a hard motherfucker. He's one of the toughest dudes you, you could ask to be in a mixed martial arts fight, but I just... Plain old did not expect that walkout. I mean, I was, I was. I, that's how I started to. I was looking around press area and I'm looking at Jake Smith and his mouth's wide open, like looking, looking down. I'm looking at Abby and he's like, "What? What's going on? What's going on?" Everybody, everybody was just going, "What's it? What's the story here?" As um, you know, I, it was just I don't know. I don't know Terry well, so I mean, it just felt really out of character. But I mean, it, fair play to him. He's gone out and he's tried to make a big statement. Look, we're talking about it today, so it's obviously worked. But um, back at a impressive, dominant three rounds. But um, can you understand Brage's frustration at the end? He, he was obviously very frustrated. He called him a boring motherfucker. Quote. <laughs> after the fight uh, what what can you understand where he's coming from there I, I guess Terry like so well rounded I think he, he wanted to showcase his hands and stuff like that he didn't really get the opportunity to yeah no I do get it and I think I'm surprised that fight wasn't pro- more because you know they like say you yeah, have a they're both double champs one in uh, Bama one in Cage Warriors I was so excited like I was yeah. excited for that fight more than you know yeah. a lot of them because obviously I was excited for Fabian but that fight especially I couldn't wait for this um yeah, it was it was a bit slow, so I do see Terry's frustration that it was just a lot of, you know, in the clinch and <laughs> didn't go his way. And again, it was just one of those infuriating fights because I think Soren almost took the cage out when he landed that takedown <laughs> towards the end. I was like, oof, that's nearly gone. I think he took him the whole way across the, across the air cage, but yeah. Yeah. I can see why he was frustrated. And the crowd still loved him when he came out the cage. Everyone was yeah. still cheering for him. That, that's a good sign for him. Like, I actually, that's that's a very uh, good point to make. Like, I mean, the crowd was on his side there. Yeah. Like, when he came out and he was like, ah, borrowed motherfucker. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. Now, I thought, I thought back was massive. I think, you know, uh, his debut, I think, you know, huge debut. I don't know if it... You know, I, I think a lot of times in Bellator, people want that big exclamation mark. I think he probably is different from a lot of their talent in that regard. But um, I thought it was fabulous performance. Um, it's really good. But I feel, 
I do really feel for Terry Bridge because he said that he didn't have the start that he wanted in Bellator and he really wanted to showcase what he's all about and he felt like he hadn't had a chance to do that. So I can see that's why he's frustrated as well because, again, he's not had that chance to, to show what he can do. So I can see why like he said mm-hmm. that at the end. He was a bit like, oh, because yeah, he didn't get a chance to do it. But. I think people have to be a bit easier on guys as well. Um, he, at a moment, you're in the most visceral sport in the world. Like These guys are literally trying to kill each other seconds before and then they go thank you good sir afterwards you know it's, it's, it's a bit much to ask but um just a few quick notes on uh, robert hoyford you know you, you've uh you spent a lot of time uh, interviewing robert hoyford over the years you've interviewed him in his native glasgow um incredible backstage i mean after an incredible performance where he, he gets that buzzer beater ko in the last second after being down in the second round himself um, and then just this outpour of emotion. Like, as I said to you just before we started recording here, it didn't feel like he was celebrating that win at all. It felt like it was this massive thing he just overcame. Um, and it, the the emotions pouring out of him, as he describes, how his marriage broke down and how he, he, he delved into alcoholism in his 18 months away from the sport, um, his retirement, as it were, um, after his time with ACB. I was blown away from it. And I was honestly, the, the, the hairs were standing up on the back of my neck when he was talking there yesterday. He really looked heartbroken and that, you know, it really hurts to see fighters. Because the thing is with fighters, it's the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Um, So it's so tough when you see that happen. So when I heard that he got signed to Bellator, I was just so happy for him. I mean, I've I've interviewed him for, like I said, I've interviewed him for years and years and years. And I've seen his progression. Um, And when I saw him land that that nasty uppercut I was just like wow this is insane like you can just see he he wanted that win so badly and then when obviously he got the win the relief in his face and the way he jumped over the cage he made a point of saying he's probably gonna find again <laughs> which made me laugh I was like yeah you need to stop doing that um but yeah like I was quite surprised when he came backstage I really thought he was gonna be so yeah, excited yeah. and happy and he's, he wasn't he's so jovial yeah he's such a joker he's every time I've interviewed him, he's so like fun and happy and like you say when he came back he did look really and for him to open up like that to to media was and to his fans is a special thing so you know it was it was heartbreaking for that but it was really nice to see him get get the win and you know hopefully he has a great career in Bellator and I think he will it was um, one thing I think we should mark about the attendance. It was about half the arena they told me they had opened there yesterday at the SSE. I'd say we were in around the five thousand, four thousand mark, and that's like I mean it's 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 unbelievable to me that um, it's not unbelievable. Sorry, it's it, it's it's staggering for me that in Ireland we do nine thousand, ten thousand for these Bellator shows, and look, we don't have the UFC coming every year. We don't have a lot of things going on like uh, the UK scene has going on, but it is still um, interesting. Obviously, in Ireland, is one of their big, big markets, but um, I feel after that event, something I've been complaining about for a long time with Bellator is just not making the fans care enough. Like The, the events just stand alone, and then it's like, on to the next one. We're making this list of fights that have nothing to do with those last list of fights, whereas this one was really about with Fabian and Shipman stapling down who was the best middleweight in our organization in this European series. Um, so I do think they, they did something good here. Do you think this is a good stepping stone for Bellator? Do you feel like there's a lot to build on from this show? Yeah, absolutely. They need to carry on with those stories now. So with fate, like you say, they with fate. Plots. They have, they have Robert uh, Hoyford, the revenge, like the him coming back plot. That's, that's amazing. You have James Gallagher and all these plots he just managed to <laughs> set off in one, one day of appearances. Um, MVP Lima, you have... The, the, the European situation with uh, Fabian, uh, Shipman, Van Steenis there. Um, 
I, I feel like Bungard even talking about Queely afterwards, stuff like this. Um, you know, I feel like they have a lot to build on here, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I hope they do continue to build because, it's, it, like I say, it's so great that, you know, we've got the UFC, we've got Bellator, they're all coming over and putting on shows, KSW as well. Um, you know, there is a fan base here. So if they keep keep building on that, build on the stories, I think they're going to have some superstars over here. And, you know, they're signing some great UK talent. We've got a lot of great fighters over here. So if they just keep on keep on building on those stories and supporting them, I think we'll just, you know... We're going to have some great fights in the future. Well, Jade, it was an absolute pleasure covering all Fight Week with you. We were some of the very few that were there at all the shows, all the events. So uh, thanks very much. Always great to see you. And thanks so much for helping me with Eurobash this week. Oh, absolutely. But um, hopefully we'll make more sense, you know, when we've not done so many back-to-back <laughs> I hope we remember. That's all we're talking about usually. <laughs> yeah, usually. But uh, thanks very much, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. And again, thank you so much to Jade Morris. Uh, get well soon, Jade. Um, what a travesty it is that you'll never walk again. Justice for Jade. But um, <laughs> on a more serious note, here is uh, Dave Green speaking after the uh, the Bellator London show. Some interesting takes here, especially I, l- I like his, his honesty when it comes to James Haskell. Like, I mean, he's basically saying, you know, we, we didn't sign James Haskell to come in here and, and, and fight Ryan Bader, you know? He nearly even says that Haskell going to uh, I'm a Celebrity is a good thing. It's just interesting because that will give you an idea of, of their plans for him, of their plans for the brand, really. Like, um, you know, the fact that I'm a Celebrity hits so many eyes, you know, and, and Haskell being brought in to stimulate a new, new kind of demographic, I'd imagine. So, yeah, it makes sense, and fair play to him for being so honest with that. Uh, so we'll hear a bit from Dave Green now, and I'll be back to finish this motherfucker off. So I'll see you guys in a about 10, 15, I think. I can't remember. It's all blurring into one at this point. But uh, here's Dave Green anyway. Um, very interesting stuff from Dave. And some of the fights we've had this year, everything from, you know, the Ryan Scott Pitbull fight to the Raymond Daniels knockout to you know, Dublin and how brilliant that was in September right to tonight and uh, some really good fights tonight. Nice way to finish the year in Wembley. We saw a few, a little, little bit of crowd trouble tonight. Uh, Shipman, a lot of Shipman's fight, uh, coaches, jumped a barrier, there were some fights in the crowd. Does that maybe, you know, sadden it a little bit tonight? Yeah, to be fair, I haven't looked into, you know, how the fight started or, or where they came from in the crowd, but um, obviously I did hear a bit of that during the uh, Brazier fight. As you know, it's very rare in MMA, and it's uh, something you know sad to see, really, because I think we do a good job with MMA not to have that sort of thing going on, especially in the crowd. I mean, it's not so bad in the cage, but um, yeah. So I, I'll have to look into that some more. But uh, you know, there did seem some tensions out there. We saw uh, rival promotion Cage Warriors leaving out, so a lot of their, their, their dates for next year. They're going into new territory in Manchester. Do you think uh, Bellator's going to expand and maybe go and rival them in some other, other cities? I don't feel like we need to rival anybody, you know, like that on the sort of national level. We're looking to build into Europe, into mainland Europe, and we're going to do some big shows. I mean, I think we're treading our own path, really, and uh, we don't need to sort of counterbook against anybody. David, the Sky TV deal, we're coming up to the first year. First of all, from your point of view, just give us a situation report. How's it gone for you from your perspective? But secondly, are we going to see a renewal of the Sky deal? Well, as you know, I mean, I think 
we were looking for a TV deal at the beginning of the year, and um, we needed to facilitate two things. We need to get a broad, big platform for the Bellator European Series, and we also need to look after all of those amazing international events we, we had. Getting it on Channel 5, I think, was amazing. We've got, you know, we've been on all year, prime time, terrestrial TV, which MMA just hasn't had before. We've had a year on the channel, uh, getting out to a huge, broad audience. And then, of course, we had the issue of the internationals and where to put them with all their moving time zones. So Sky Sports came along, and that's a perfect fit, I think, you know, to see us regularly mentioned on the Friday briefings and the news talking about international fights we've got, be it in Texas or Connecticut, all over the world, advertised on Sky News. I think it's fantastic. And then the broadcast itself is available to everybody. So for me, it's been a really good partnership. As you say, we're moving into next year, so there's lots of decisions and discussions to be had. But I'm sure we'll have some news about where we'll be. But one thing's for sure, we'll be out there for everyone to see in the UK and the rest of Europe. And this is a recurring theme when we speak, David. European series, European belt. How likely is it that we're going to see a European belt tied to the European series? Um, at the moment, it's really not on the agenda. I think for me, as I say, I don't really want the Bellator European series to be some sort of second tier. I think what Bellator Europe does is it gives all the fighters over here you know, a, a pathway to fight for the belt and to be seen all over the world. I mean, tonight, all these guys were available on the app and on YouTube in America. So, you know, they're getting to fight some great guys and they're going to have the opportunity to move up the, the Bellator ladder and fight in America for the belt. So for at the moment, for me, I think it's all about the belt and how you get there. I mean, you look at someone like MVP, you know, the first thing he did after winning tonight was calling out Lima for another fight. He'd love to do that. And I think, you know, at the moment, I wouldn't like to see him having one belt and then going for an international one. I think, you know, there's, there's one top of the mountain. Any more in attendance tonight, Dave? I haven't had the final word on that yet. Dave, who would you say was the uh, biggest winner out of tonight's three great performances, but who would you say really raised their stock? Well, I think, you know, you've got to say just on balance, Fabian coming out of this. I mean, I think that was a massive uh, battle. You know, it was going to be a big deal for either of those guys who was going to win that fight, I think, because it would have been built up into such a, a grudge match. I think, you know, for various reasons, the winner was going to move on to something, and I think you know Fabian's raised his game tonight against a really quality opponent with Shipman, and I think I think that was a big win. For him. Michael uh, had a, a short notice replacement uh, fight tonight, and it was very important to keep him on the card. He's such a big name here, obviously. But do you feel as though um, that will be a good enough win for him to get a, a second crack at the champion, given that his opponent had never fought in Bellator before tonight? I mean, you're absolutely right. Look, no one wants a fight to fall away because of uh, because of an injury, and you know, Derek Anderson would have been a huge fight tonight for MVP, a real test. He would have come forward, I think, would have been a really interesting fight. I think you've got to give credit to Gianni stepping in against MVP at Les Nose. I mean, who would want to do that? Um, and, you know, so, of course, you, you're you not going to get the right picture from that, I think. But looking at it, MVP was confident, he was fit, and, uh, you know, he did the only thing he could do, which was to, you know, deliver another devastating KO on the night. Um, as for his fight, you know, it might not be the next fight, but, you know, I'd imagine if he wins, Lima wins, that fight's got to happen sooner or later. What's your take on a potential daily rematch? He's been on, he was on the desk tonight, I understand. He was, he was talking up the possibility of facing MVP back here in London in 2020. Um, I'm not sure he was overly, overly impressed with the performance tonight, even, even though it was, uh, it was quite a short one. What's your take on that? Is that a fight you'd like to get booked for this arena maybe next year? Look, I mean, I think everybody was very excited about that fight uh, before the last one. Um, it, you know, obviously didn't deliver what we all hoped for on the night. Um, 
whether there'll be another one, who knows? I think that both guys are on a path. Maybe they'll come across each other again. Of course, if it does happen, I'd love to have it here. I think, you know, I think there is a potentially good fight there between the two of those guys. We just didn't see it the first time around. How happy are you with building that shipment and uh, Fabian fight? Because it felt like so many people had, uh, you know, were, were invested in the fight. It felt really big this week. And um, you could even feel the tension in the arena there tonight when they were fighting. I, I think some people might have been let down with the, the fight watching on TV, but it was amazing uh, tension in, in the arena tonight. Um, do, you, do you feel like that, that is on the back of all the promotional work you guys have done to sell that fight in the lead up to it? Yeah, I would. I mean, I'd hope so. I mean, I think, like you say, the tension was really palpable in, in, in the arena. And I had a lot of people I know just coming up to me last night and saying, I've really got to see this fight now. So it was a, a promotional dream, really, because the fight had been two years in the making and, you know, it seemed to come to a head at the right time. And for me, combat sport, you know, in the round, never mind just MMA, is all about narrative and the storyline. And that, you know, that was a really true grudge match. And, you know, I think it delivered on the night. I think it was a great fight. Speaking of like surprise uh, signings, were you guys aware that James Haskell was going planning on going into I'm a Celebrity before you signed him? Um, you know, look, you, you look at someone like James. You know, we we didn't we didn't sign James Haskell just for you know we, he wasn't the biggest MMA prospect to sign. He's a personality and a big personality at that. Um, so he's had a lot of work booked. He was DJing in Ibiza. Uh, he had lots of different things going on, and he's a, he's a, he's a public person. He's, in a, he's got a perfect profile. As for the jungle, I mean, look, he's going to be there for three weeks. It's not like he's getting drunk every night. Um, the, as I said, the only thing we were worried about, you might come back a middleweight with the, uh, the food rations out there. But you've got to respect James as an athlete. He's an elite athlete, and I've genuinely never seen anybody take something so seriously as this. You know, So you've got to respect his preparation. I guarantee when that guy sets foot in a cage he will be 100% prepared I've got no doubt about that so you know he's going to do his uh, public thing this week I mean he's been training right up to the day he went in there and I'm sure he'll be fully prepared when he fights next year Do you think it helps you guys then that he's in there because, because as you said you're bringing him in to raise the profile I mean he's going to be on this huge show a lot of people watch it like is it, is it a good thing for Bellator that he's on it? Hey look I mean I'd like to think so I mean you know it's not We don't. as I say we, we signed him for lots of reasons let's be honest you know th there's a PR angle there and uh it's all about bringing new eyeballs to the sport. And I think, you know, the fact that James is only 34, he's still got a lot of time, he's really, really excited about fighting. If he brings in another few hundred thousand viewers because, because people now know him in the jungle, I mean, he was already quite a big star going into the jungle from his rugby career. If he's brought in some more fans and people who would like to know what he's doing, then, you know, it's no bad thing. Dave, do, do you think those are the... Do you think these are the right viewers, though? Because there's kind of two schools of thought, really, isn't there? We've had things like KSI versus Logan Paul. And, you know, there's a lot of people saying that's going to bring a load more eyeballs to, to boxing. But do you think this is uh, a realistic way forward for growing mixed martial arts by bringing people like uh, James Haskell in? It's not the only way, of course. And I think, you know, it's, it's different comparing it to boxing. Boxing's been established for, you know, over 100 years. So... You know, you know about boxing. I genuinely think there's people out there who do not know what MMA is, and there's people who haven't seen it yet. Now, obviously, we can't vet everybody who's going to tune in or, or, or find us from maybe, you know, James. But I'm sure if we can take a percentage of that away and, and show them a sport that maybe they're not aware of, then, you know, everybody's winning from our side. You're looking to grow the brand over here in Europe. You've got a big slate of events planned for 2020. What can we expect besides the, you know, the regular haunts that you know, Dublin, London, 
what else can we expect from Bellator? What's the next next progression for you guys as you look to grow in Europe in 2020? Well, look, we're, we're really ambitious. We want to grow quickly, but I think we're trying to do it properly. So, you know, obviously we'll revisit places because that's the way you establish a foothold, you know. I think we've shown that in Dublin. You go back there and, you know, you build it and you build the fan base, you build the talent. And there's a lot of fighters out there in Dublin now who are earning a good wage through us. No, I think we're going to look into um, mainland Europe. You know, it's no mistake we've said. The Netherlands, Scandinavia. We've already announced today we're going back to Milan in October. I think it's all about a steady, constant, but, you know, ambitious growth into mainland Europe. Now, great stuff. Thank you so much, Dave, for coming out and speaking to us uh, after the event. Um, Yeah, so just a few kind of takeaways from this week. I guess I'll be repeating myself a bit throughout this because I've recorded many of the sections on different days and stuff, so I apologize for that. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the big things that I kind of left there with was, you know, how big Gallagher and Pimblet are. I think we all kind of understand that the likes of Fabian and Shipman were having their coming out parties in London there. And I think it worked. I mean, I know the fight didn't deliver, but it certainly captivated people in the lead up to the fight. And and even people across the water were talking about, like Ariel Awani said, this is the biggest fight of the weekend, in my opinion. That's that's a big, big thing. And kudos to Bellator for building that. I mean, I think that's amazing for a regional combine event like that. Really, really good. Nailed it. But, um, yeah, it was just like, you know, when publications are going here, they're going there for MVP because he's a big draw. He's, um, you know, a highlight real machine. He speaks so well, a massive professional but go back and look look at the numbers i mean gallagher's numbers are true to roof paddy's numbers are true to roof post fight and pre-fight um so that's why i kind of feel like that as well was it kind of a makes it tougher the fact that mvp didn't show for the media afterwards uh, i don't know if he's done himself favors but again I'll, I'll stress he's always been a gentleman to me always and this week as well perfect gentleman uh, he could have a, a perfectly valid reason for that as well so we should remember that but um, Paddy is a star, man. Paddy Pimblett, like people who doubt that guy, man. He, he is immediately, like as soon as I interviewed him, I could see it in him. I know I said that earlier, but I, I mean, he's got it back. He's got that fire burning inside him. The his, it's not only just Paddy. Like when he's fighting, when he goes off the card, you're not just missing him. You're you're missing the star making power he brings to the table. Like him not being on that card was a bad thing for everyone else on that main card. Because he would have brought so many eyes just to watch the event. It would have been a big thing for the likes of Natoyas Frederick who left with a win that night. Modestus Bacaucus and, and Jolton Santos. Like three guys who could deal with a lot more attention. And Mads Burnell as well. So, um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to seeing his next move. He's uh, he's as captivating as ever. And, and Gallagher as well. Like He's he's a badass. Like, I mean, he gets so much shit. Both of these guys actually get so much shit. And I actually went from spending a lot of time with Paddy on Wednesday to seeing James and his father. And I was like, I know these guys have had a bit of history or whatever, but in my head I was going, well, they're so similar. They put up with so much bullshit, so so young and just shoulder it so well um, and perform, you know. They really do. Uh, they've dealt with a lot more than I certainly have in my life and I've dealt with quite a bit, but 
you know, the, the fact that they they were able to shoulder all this expectation and pressure to me is absolutely unbelievable. I would have crumbled under that easily, no doubt about it. Um, you know, and, and the thing about Gallagher is, like, he's right. He puts up a poster today. He's like, this is nothing like Dublin. And it isn't. It wasn't. Like, and he's a big part of selling out those arenas, man. Like, this is like 10,000 people, like, going to see... 9,000 to 10,000 people going to see Bellator over here. And that, that is not happening anywhere else. So don't think because it's happening in Dublin, they're selling out the SSE arena. They're not. Not selling out anywhere else, I don't think. So that's a huge... It's a huge thing for Ireland. And I will also... Like, I know me and Noel have spoke about this before, but it, it's a big thing. Like, we are the most important part of that European series, without a doubt. Like... um you know that, like, if you imagine, like, maybe there was like four to five thousand at the, at the Bellator fight night. Uh, Dame Green couldn't give us numbers at at the post fight, as you're just listening to. But maybe there was like two thousand, I don't know, one thousand five hundred, two thousand at, at the cage where everything's so they're not that far apart. You know, and I know they both say we're not rivals or whatever, but they are. They're on the same turf, but it's a mutually beneficial <laughs> rivalry because it's two very different products. So it's both, it's going to bring in the best out of both worlds. And it's just making us have this great time in our hands. Like, uh, as as the Thundercat said earlier on, there's no need to pick a side here. We can just be happy about watching both. <laughs> so I think that's what, uh, that's what I will be doing. Um, but Bellator are onto good things building these stories because that's what I always I always say about it. And, and look, other media members in the US agree with me all the time. I'm not going to mention any names, but you all know who I'm talking about. Like, there's no connection from event to event. So that's why I was saying you gotta do something with Bungard Queely, you gotta do something with Whiteford's story, you gotta do something with the like, you know, Fabian and Mike Shipman to head back on a collision course to get each other. You know, there's lots of things like that. And Bungard v Queely, that's a great one to take into Dublin. Like the last time I felt an arena care so much, and it was even more, it was far more palpable, was Miles and Queely. But the one thing I'll say is I felt more that night felt more on Queely's side, whereas this was kind of, even though it was in London, and certainly there was more people there for shipment, this was an electric atmosphere there for that. And, and well done, Bellator, you nailed that. Um, You know, they they just, I'm not, like, I'm, it, it's two very different things, but I think, you know, they can build a lot from what happened there. I just, I think it's up to them to recognize that the seeds have been planted there at that event, and they need to grow them now. Um, it was fantastic to see uh, all the media members this week I love them all very much uh, Abby Subban MMA Junkie and Simon Head Jerry McCarthy um, you know we had Lee and Louise there from MMA Crazy Jade Morris of course Jim Edwards was there amazing to see Jim it's been a long time the full reptile gang my boy is James and Jamie, I love those lads. I didn't get to see them as much as I usually do, but uh, great to uh, great to see them. Um, you know, Jake Smith. Um, I, I met that man in in Dublin properly. It wasn't the it wasn't wasn't the first time I met him, but I've got to know him since Dublin, and he's hilarious, man. He's mint. And as I said earlier, breaking news and the whole lot now. So fair play to him. Um, Foyd IQ. I met them. Uh, this week I got the train home from there, home with them after Cage Warriors. Great guys. I was speaking to Cooper's MMA as well. Great interview on Kieran Cobley as well. All these great people uh, dipping their toe for the first time 
into uh well not for the first time but they're dipping their toes now in the in the media landscape and it's a great time you know i saw scott there as well from bloody elbow like people are getting jobs you know it's it's a good we are showing the world that what's happening here is big it is really big and there's a lot going on there's a lot of moving pieces it's very exciting time um i was away for noel mcgrath's birthday so happy birthday to noel um i tweeted that out there um not too sure what age he is, but um, you know, I'm sure it was only lemonade served at any festivities he had for that. Um, I I am so tired, guys. I'm probably not going to get a day off till Wednesday, and probably just take Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, they probably won't let me, but I'll I'll definitely try to do that. But um, I'm dying for some days off. Uh, and I'm getting a new car. Well, not a brand new car, but you know what I mean? But if you guys saw my coverage during the week, you're going to know that James Gallagher is open to trading his probably like, you know, $200,000 Mercedes in for my Ford Mondeo I'm getting. So, I mean, I've said he's a lovely person on many occasions, but if he doesn't honor that, he's dead to me. <laughs> only messing up, only messing. But um, thanks so much to everyone who, who tuned in uh, for the coverage all week. And I'm blown away by the reaction Eurobash got over there. Uh, crazy. Like, way more. <laughs> I get more people coming up to me in England than I do in Ireland. Uh, it, w- it was crazy. And as well as the media people giving us big props. Like, we're doing something special here. And, um, but some, you know, something special in terms of I've never been involved in anything like this that has this kind of, you know, the amount of people that listen to us mental. It's crazy. Like, it's genuinely way beyond anything we could have imagined um so early on here so i'm really really grateful for that i know i'm very uncomfortable with that i apologize to anyone who came up to say something nice to me i don't react very well to that i don't know what to do i often feel like someone's taking the piss out of me so i just kind of don't i'm trying to figure out if, if someone's trying to laugh at me or not and i'm not very good at that kind of stuff um i was a writer for most of my life so i've never been really visible but mma fighting um i've become more visible and I'm, it's it's very fun don't get me wrong i really enjoy it but just that part of it, i'm not very good at i wish i hope i will get better and we're always trying to improve um but really really blown away by that and it really gave me gave me a lot of motivation to wake up in the morning and get going because there were crazy long days i'm talking about mostly 15 16 hour days every day out there so um it really helped you like that and it's really appreciate it um come a long way in in just a year um you know the situation i was in last year compared to now is completely unrecognizable really so i'm really grateful for all of you guys for listening to us and um you know getting this crazy momentum behind it it's very very cool it's uh it's very cool but um that's all i've got for you guys this week i hope you enjoyed this london special i didn't put a number on it because i felt like it was a bit um it's not a it's a, it's a different to the usual eurobash thing but um i really can't thank my guests enough who uh, made it possible to even get a show out this week and um, so big thank you to uh, nathaniel wood to craig white to graham boylan to jade morris to dave green and the man who will be editing this all um mr noel mcgrath so Thank you so much. We want to keep on making this better and better. I try to make this show better every single week. That's that's what I'm trying to do. I know sometimes I fall short, but uh, believe me, I, I am trying. Every week I'm putting on a crazy amount of hours just to uh, make this a good show for you guys. So thank you so much again. Um, a great time for the sport and a great time for me in London. So thank you all so much. Bye-bye.